is up, wrestling fans? It is time for them boys from 607 Podcast to talk all things pro wrestling and call it right down the middle. It is time for a special edition of 607 Podcast presents The Wrestling Show, better known as 607 TWS. And of course, if you're listening to the ODPH and you're wondering if your thing's broken, no, no, no. As you heard, we're taking over because this is a huge crossover special of WrestleMania proportions because it is now time for us to break into the WrestleMania 39 preview game. And of course, we are coming to you from the ODPH Dungeon, the realest thing in pro wrestling podcasting. See, I did another one there, Ken. I did it just for you. And of course, I'm your host of 607 TWS, but I'm also the host of the 3FN Podcast. My name is Rich. Joining me in the co-pilot's chair each, like he does each and every week. But you better know him from the ODPH Podcast because he's your host. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Ken M. 607 Podcast fam, what is happening? What is good? Are we ready for WrestleMania? And last but not least, for the first time ever, we are joined by the man that you know as the co-host of the ODPH Podcast. But... He is the man, the myth, and the legend, ladies and gentlemen, my uh, personal statistician. Padawan Jay is in the house. I don't come cheap, motherfuckers. Where's my goddamn muffins? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, all I can tell you is that uh, after the long week that I've had, I'm, uh, I'm injured, I'm tired, and I work with fucking children. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, and no, but we're having a great time. Of course, WrestleMania 39 is upon us, and it is time to preview that. So earlier, you guys got the WrestleMania 39 Ultimate Indie Roundup preview. A little bonus there. And now this is going to be WrestleMania 39 itself. And uh, we got a little bit to go in the beginning. But before we get there, let's get all of the plugs out of the way. So Ken M, do the honors. How do they find you in the Ocho Duro Parley Hour podcast? It's very simple. You Swing on over to odphpodcast.com, join the conversation on the social media accounts, check out the T Public Store link, the Patreon link, the music link, the classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, the directory, pad, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, where do they go? odphpodcast.com. That's right. And of course, if you're looking for myself in the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Go to 3FNpodcast.com. You get all the social media links, links to the T Public Store, links to patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast for as little as $1 a month. You get a ton of extra bonus content. On top of all of that, you can find friends of the show like the ODPH. And of course, the musical directory where you can find such great bands as Floodlands, whose song Ruins is the theme song for 607TWS that you hear each and every week. And then, of course, we had a special little introduction that is the uh, usually the ODPH's sports edition uh, would you like to talk about that well that's our guy brian uh i was gonna say brian wayne from cheers the comics but it's actually brian wolf from uh formerly a fair city fire now doing his own solo work down in austin texas so if you are interested in what he's doing he's got a brand new ep out you definitely need to get in your ears and simple way to find it at odphpodcast.com there you go so we got to give a little plug because we had to do that little uh Great. Uh, you'll hear it again next week. Yes. So there you go. I get to play it twice. I took a lot of hard work there. <laughs> <laughs> With that, though, go to 3FMPodcast.com or ODPHpodcast.com for all the information because I am chomping at the bit to talk pro wrestling. And I know these two gentlemen are as well. Let's get a show note out of the way. 
We uh, here, of course, are going to preview all the matches that are announced mm-hmm. for WrestleMania. We might even have, to, after the second segment of it, we might actually speculate on a couple matches we might think are going to happen or what we think is going on for WrestleMania. You know, there's some rumors out there. Hint, hint, Stone Cold Steve Austin. That'll be after we talk in segment two. So segment one and segment two are going to be split between... We should say the two nights, but unfortunately, we do not know where all the matches are falling. There's a lot of speculation. There is some that are ironclad. So we will talk about the matches that we know that are ironclad on each night, but we are going to just split them in half. So WrestleMania, the first part of the WrestleMania 39 will be night one. We'll have the couple matches that we know are set in stone for night one. Mm. And then when we take, and then we'll do about seven. We're going to be seven total there because we have 13 as we're recording. Uh, I, I, on Tuesday, March the 28th, right? Yes. As we're recording on this day, we have 13 matches. So we'll do seven in the first segment, six in the second segment, including, of course, that will be where the main event that we already know is going to happen on night two is. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we'll do some speculating. So that's the two segments. And then we're going to give you a bonus third segment for you wrestling fans because there's been some huge wrestling news, and we're just going to tack that on. So there is going to be a third segment. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about uh, John Moxley's interview with his wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on top of that, uh, CM Punk's Instagram <laughs> and uh, the hottest free agent in the pool currently. Oh, my God. We'll, we'll leave the tease like that. So uh, that is going to be what's coming up on the docket. So don't go, hey, Rich, you promised me that this was going to be on night one or get at Pat or, or, or Ken about it. No, I'm, we're not promising anything's going to be on night one or night two. We're just breaking it in half. We will say when the match is guaranteed because we're going to open the preview with the match that we know is starting WrestleMania, and we're going to close the preview section with a match we know that's closing. That's Ken. why we always say it's card subject to change. So we're going to give you what we know. We definitely want you to interact with us. Give us your picks throughout the week. Maybe we'll even throw something up on the social media. So definitely, this is a big episode. We're going to give you all the information you need to know. And then throughout the week, just keep your eyes on the social media accounts for even more. Okay, well, with that, I I'm, we're not going to do our normal segments. But I do think that Ken has been missing looking at his watch. So I do want to get that one out of the way because, ladies and gentlemen, it's enough talking about everything. It is time to dive into some pro wrestling. <laughs> That's right, it's time to kick off the WrestleMania 39 preview show. As I pointed out, we will. the first two matches we talk about are guaranteed to be on night one. They're the only two that we know that are guaranteed set in stone for night one. Correct. After that, we're just going to pick, you know, five more to end out the segment. And then in the second segment, there's going to be other five that are on the card, plus the one that's guaranteed to close WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So I think if we're going to talk about WrestleMania, we already know what the opening contest for WrestleMania 39 will be on night one. And it has been announced for the WWE United States Championship. Your champion, Austin Theory, defending against hustle, loyalty, and respect and the bald spot himself, <laughs> John Cena. And of course, this match came about like, this is one of those that was like never a surprise, mm-hmm. but I do like the way that they played it out. Lots of teasing from Austin Theory. I mean, this was rumored for months. Lots of teasing from Austin Theory. And then, of course, then we finally got Cena in Boston where he laid the smacketh down on the microphone to build up this match in literally one segment. 
Yeah. yeah. So uh, now we're going to get to the match. What do you like about the build, and who do you got? We'll start with Padawan Jason. This is your first time here. Who do you got, and what do you like about this build, and what do you got to say about Cena versus Theory for the United States Championship? The You know, the build's been fun. You know, it, like you said, it's been rumored for a while. as you know, a handful of matches that were rumored, you know, back the end of last year, beginning of this year. That was one of the ones that was rumored. And, of course, like with Cena, like with The Rock, like with a lot of these you know, folks who have taken to other ventures post wrestling, you know, you never know if they're going to show up because, hey, they're busy individuals. They got a lot going on, you know, but the fact that, you know, they announced Cena was going to be back in Boston and then he came out and then you had the whole match. The buildup's been fun. It's been short, but you don't need to do a long buildup for this match. It's John Cena. It's it's the biggest name in wrestling in the last 20 years going up against Austin Theory, you know, the new face in wrestling, you know, the potentially next biggest face if, if his trajectory goes the way I'm sure they hope it does you know as for who think is going to win i think it's going to end up end up being austin theory you know i th- i think listen cena doesn't need it you got austin theory who's getting quite a reaction out of the fans uh every night you know despite being em- in front of an empty arena la- uh, last night on monday night raw cutting his promo for uh, what reason again reasons uh you know he was in front of an empty arena but i think he gives a nice bump to theory and it adds to his stock a little bit Absolutely. Ken, your thoughts? Man, I love this. Anytime we get Big Match John on a show, I don't care how old he is, it's still John Cena. You have to respect what he does in the ring, what he does outside the ring. He is Mr. WWE, to be honest. And having him at the grandest stage of it all, and especially in a match with an up-and-coming superstar in Austin Theory, which I know with the former regime, as we'll just refer to it as, being the one that was really behind Theory's push, to see Theory now have this resurgence in his career, going into this match, he is given a high-profile opponent. So if you're not sold that the company is backing him, yeah. I don't know how else to tell you. Like They're fully behind Theory on this. They're going to go out there, and really, being in the first match of the night, they're going to set the pace for the rest of the show. And with Cena, you know he's going to bring his A game. You know he's going to leave it all in the ring. But I think this is going to go to Austin Theory as the ultimate you're you're now made. You're mm-hmm. now a superstar. You're gonna have your shining moment to kick off the show because Cena doesn't need this. The only thing I'm kind of curious is would he do a little cosplay and come out as Peacemaker because it's Hollywood? Ooh. Do something like that. Do a little fun, you know, nod there. But at the end of the day, it's Austin Theory for the win. I'm not. I'm gonna go with something other than Peacemaker because you mentioned that Thugonomics. I was gonna say, but they've done a uh, WrestleMania 35, which did. I still mark out for. Oh, I'm not saying I'm not. Right. Although with the new game and putting in the you know the the Cena stuff, if he comes out as the prototype, I might mark out. Oh for my oh. god! He can still come out to the music, but in the Ruthless trunks and stuff, aggression. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Or if I'm Austin Theory, I might think about coming out in uh, you know prototype style clothing. Because it's kind of similar to what Austin Theory wears. Uh, different colors. A little bit, but yeah, yeah. But I think that would be a, a unique thing. Or if Austin Theory wants to really get into it, come out of Stugonomics, mm-hmm. that'd be interesting. I, I think that you could work some. I think that these guys both need a big entrance. I need. I know John's going to get one. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think Theory should also get one because I think it, it'd be a good thing. Uh, in my head, I'm thinking, and I know they can't redo this, but one of the greatest packages and entrances of all times with a package was the Miz at WrestleMania 27, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Or, and that, of course, was the You Can Hate Me Now. Now. Oh, that was and that a- was such a perfect like everything. I think that if you give theory something similar, not saying hate me now, but something like that with a package with before he comes out, I think it really steps up the the market. 
I, I agree with you, but I think they're going to save that for Logan Paul. Probably. Oh. Probably, but I, I, I think the theory would be the better because he's the guy you're going to okay. make a star. So now getting into my portion, I'm agreeing with both of you gentlemen wholeheartedly. I think that this is one of those moves where it, it looked like he ate shit for a little while, you know, because obviously he was in the previous storyline when Vince right. was still there. Vince has, there's a lot of bad taste in people's mouth from Vince. And I think that basically what they did is in story, not behind the scenes, mm-hmm. He, you know, behind the scenes, Triple H got punished too, but they, Triple H kind of gave him the Triple H. You know, hey, the curtain call, you know, we're going to make it look like on screen you're being punished. Yeah. We're going to make it look like we're fucking with you. Right. We're going to make it look like, you know, the world is against you. But no, we still see all the talent and promise in the world with you. And we're going to take you there. And he he took the ball and he ran with it. And so his present became, hey, we're thinking about putting you against John Cena. And then they went to John and said, hey, how would you feel about wrestling this kid? And John said, obviously, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and let's not forget, too, a a couple of weeks after Vince McMahon left the company, I think it was Roman, came out on Monday Night Raw and said, daddy's not here anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I said, they pretty much gave him the on-screen. So, obviously, it was all the work, but it was also a way to separate him from Vince at some point. Yes. Because he was so intertwined with that. And, of course, (laughs) what happened with Vince, we're not going to dive into it again. We've done it ad nauseum see previous episodes yeah so you know i think that they did the right thing there but the cool part is the kid took the ball and he ran with it he took it he he lost the the money in the bank against the united states champion instead of the world champion which everybody what but the whole thing was building to something and since he didn't complain and since he went out there and delivered and gave the people entertainment i know what john cena said obviously john cena is getting a reaction sure but the point of the matter is at the end of the day when wwe goes hey we're gonna put you in there with one of our biggest stars of all time Mm-hmm. And that star goes, yes, I'll take the match because please believe they don't book John Cena in matches. Mm-hmm. They right. ask John Cena right. who he wants to face. Say, or they say, hey, we have this idea. Cena's getting that Undertaker treatment where it's like, hey, we, we have an idea. If, if, if you're available, we have an idea for you to face Awesome right. Theory at WrestleMania this year. And he goes, oh, well, what do you know? Conveniently, my schedule's freed up. I'm down for it. And plus, we have to remember, too, this is Triple H's first WrestleMania yep. that it's all him. Yep. The booker, yeah. He wants to make a big statement. So you know he's going to take some risks, and you know that he's going to try bringing in some star power to really solidify, like, this is my WrestleMania show. What better way with John Cena? Using that old term uh, lingo, it's his first job with the pencil at Mania. Yep. Because he's he's the guy writing everything. Yeah. And, and the thing of the matter is, is I think this is a genius move. This is going to – I'm agreeing with you guys. I think Austin Theory is going to go over. However, I have said in the past, I don't know if it's going to happen at Mania or if it's going to happen at the Raw after Mania. I think he's going to get a little too big for his britches, do the open challenge, and then we'll get a return or a new superstar who comes in and defeats him for that title. I think he's – listen, we all know he's going to be a smarmy prick. Mm-hmm. When he beats Cena, and mm-hmm. he's going to talk it up and down. Every he might even make an appearance on like the morning talk shows. Oh yeah, just like hey, I'm the guy who beat John Cena. Yeah, so I think it's going to more likely be the Monday after because I'm I'm agreeing with Pat. I think the best bet is to book him on some morning talk shows. Yeah. the day after Mania because they're in L.A. Yeah, and you can do all that great stuff, and then he comes out on Raw and goes, "Hey, I beat Cena. I'm going to challenge somebody." So then you can have a returning superstar. Or, you know, a, a a superstar who's making their debut. I mean, I don't know where Tommaso Ciampa is as far as his injury and return. He's a very prime candidate to come out to just take the belt off of him. Also, you know, the name Jay White gets thrown out a that's lot. That's my pick. Which is, which is fine. Yeah. That's a good way. But I'm saying something like that is going to happen on Raw. And the reason why I say that is because I really just think that he's going to go too big for his britches. It'll be a good way to get the belt off of him. But that doesn't bury – don't use the word bury, folks. Yeah. 
all it means is that they're going to move on to something else because that kid's going to be in the main event program in the very, very near future because mm-hmm. he deserves it. The kid's money. I'm not saying he's going to be champion in the very near future, but he's going to be up there wrestling guys like Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre and the big dog Roman Reigns. Yep. So that's where his trajectory is, and congratulations to him because, like I said, I think that kid's got the biggest upside in the business. Next up is the only other match that we know is booked for night one, April the 1st. And that, of course, is the singles match between Seth frickin' Rollins and Logan Paul. And it is Logan Paul's birthday. That is why he's getting the match on April 1st, because he asked for it. So the build for this has been very good. Yeah. I mean, we had the surprise entrant in the Rumble where Logan Paul eliminated Seth Rollins. A la Maven versus The Undertaker, only on a higher scale. Mm-hmm. He also had a moment of, you know, let's not forget, Logan Paul had one of the greatest Royal Rumble moments ever with him and Ricochet in that double springboard oh clothesline God, where they yeah. met halfway in the ring. Mm-hmm. And I know that, I know for the people out there that are haters on it, they're like, it's happened before. Everything's happened before. But it's not happened on the Royal Rumble stage before. Yep. So let's just give credit where credit's due to Ricochet and Logan Paul for a hell of an athleticism and giving us a great moment. And then, of course, I've loved how this has played out. Since Logan Paul can't be there every week. We have the Miz filling in. It works its way out. It kind of has this little thing. And I'm not going to be surprised. Listen, before I turn it over to you guys, I just want to throw there. I'm not going to be surprised if the Miz doesn't get involved some way in this match. And it might surprise everybody how he gets involved. But with that being said, we're going to start with Ken M for this one. Who you got and uh, how you feeling about the build for Logan Paul versus Seth freaking Rollins? I love the build. This has been so well placed especially with the big surprise at the Elimination Chamber where Logan Paul snuck in via the injury angle to interfere with the match. That now, going into WrestleMania, and say what you will about Logan Paul, but when he's in between those ropes, the kid's got it. Mm -hmm. And you can't deny that. And for Seth Rollins, too, much in the same vein as John Cena, if he didn't want to work with him because he didn't feel that he was up to the task, Seth probably would pass on him. But he understands that this is a big pop culture media match that a lot of eyes that don't tune in every Monday and Friday are going to tune in just because of his star power. That said, I was sitting here thinking this is going to be Seth Rollins all day. But I'm curious if Logan Paul has never won a match that he's been in, uh, involved with. If I'm not mistaken, uh, no. So he's got he in, he's got four rec, uh, matches. I'm, uh, this is courtesy of ProFightDB.com. He's got four matches under his belt. Uh, technically, one loss. If you want to get technical, at the Royal Rumble, since he didn't win, uh, he lost to Roman Reigns at the Crown Jewel. He beat the Miz at SummerSlam, and then he uh, beat he and the Miz defeated Dominic and Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania 38 Night One. So he's got two wins. So he's got two wins. Okay, because I was thinking he only had one. And I thought that might sway it a little more. But I'm still going to go with the kid in the upset because I think The Miz is going to get involved, do something to set up something with him and Seth Rollins moving forward. That's Miz and, and Seth. And then Logan can just come back in and run this back at SummerSlam against Seth and extend the feud just that much more. Because otherwise, I would say Seth has to win because he's last year obviously losing to Cody Rhodes. Right. He's got to get a WrestleMania win in there somehow. But at the same time, losing to Logan Paul doesn't hurt because it's the overall story. And it's Seth Rollins. You can plug and play him anywhere on that roster, and he's going to make it work. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and piggyback off of that when I start here. And the thing is, 
Seth Rollins is the guy that I use for the argument when wins and losses don't matter. If you're over, it don't matter. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, Seth Rollins had the a terrible record year last year as far as wins and losses go. Yeah. However, however, he is still one of the hottest properties in all of wrestling. That is what it is to be over, ladies and gentlemen. There's, it doesn't matter how many matches you win or lose. It's what you do in between. And that crowd is still singing his, his praises every time he comes out as the uh, master conductor that he is. Even on other shows. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Like, dude, this guy is, this guy is the real deal. He is now transcending. He is getting into that air. When we talk about the top tier of WWE, he's right up there with Roman Reigns. Please believe mm-hmm. it. Oh, absolutely. He is, he is in that megastar category. And so it doesn't matter wins and losses. However, I will say this. I think that it's about time that we get on a track for Seth Rollins to, you know, be in that main event picture again. There's a possibility, we'll talk about it later, of, you know, freshening the the, the winds of change, if you will, in that top picture for the title. And I think that Seth Rollins needs to be in in trickle part of that. I almost messed that word up. And the reason being is because obviously he has storylines with both men. Mm -hmm. So no matter which one of those gentlemen is the world champion, Seth Rollins has a storyline with both of them Mm -hmm. already. And I think that he's got to go back up there. So a big WrestleMania win would be huge here. And this doesn't hurt Logan Paul. Logan Paul is going to go out there and he's going to do those oohs and ah moments. For some reason, this kid has figured out how, like, he got bit by the wrestling bug is the first thing. And he puts a lot of fucking working so i will never you know say a bad thing about his work ethic because obviously you can tell just from him the way he's moving in the ring he is putting in the work day and night and he just loves wrestling that's what happens sometimes you get bit by that wrestling bug and you just want to keep going and going so he's going to go out there and do some fun shit it's going to be a great match at the end of the day i don't think it's going to hurt him i will say this i think the miz is actually going to cost logan paul the match and the reason being is that He's feeling a little slighted by Logan Paul. I think that they've been doing this unique thing with him as the host of Mania, and Logan Paul is just kind of brushing him off. And I think the Miz knows, like, the Miz isn't stupid. Like, I love how, like, at times he plays dumb, mm-hmm. but he knows he's being brushed off. So I think it's going to come to, it, it may, maybe Logan Paul might win by uh, nefarious means before the Miz restarts the match and goes, ha no, 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 no. I saw what you did there. You got to restart that match right. before he takes a loss. Something like that. I think it's going to be an interesting stuff because then you could do Logan versus The Miz again, only in a proper one-on-one forum. And I think that that would be really cool because, once again, The Miz is a great hand. Oh, People absolutely. don't give him enough credit for that. But I love him as the pick for the uh, the host of WrestleMania because I'm sure he's going to interject himself a few different times during oh, this uh, the course of two nights. But I'm going to go with a freaking Rollins. Pad, you're up. Uh, listen, the bill for this has been incredible. You know, you got the elimination at the Royal Rumble, which was awesome. And then you had the elimination chamber segment, which masterful camera work because I remember watching this and I did not even see him sneak in through there, which I think under previous regimes and previous years, they've absolutely would have telegraphed it and made that a thing like, oh, hey, who's that sneaking into the who's that in the ring there? But the fact that you didn't see it until it already happened was chef's kiss was masterful. And, and you've had the buildup to this, which has been them going back and forth, even with, uh, you know, Rollins stealing the Miz's phone and, and face, FaceTiming, quote unquote, you know, the uh, Logan Paul. You know, as for the match, I think the match is going to be awesome. I think you got Seth, who, listen, they trust him enough to have a good match. And listen, Logan, say what you will about the person outside of the ring, inside the ring. He's a fantastic wrestler. And you look at the body of work and just four matches he's had. He's had two of the best moments, I think, of the last couple of years. You know, with his match with Roman and, and wrestling with that injury to his knee. Yeah. You know, and then his moment with Ricochet at the Royal Rumble. But we we know how this company likes to do things when it's a hometown hometown visit or on your birthday or even Father's Day, the, uh, the one year with Titus, o- <laughs> Titus O'Neil. 
you know, you don't tend to do well when it's moments that are speci- specific towards you or or uh, or something like that. Uh, so I think it's going to end up being Seth Rollins because, like you said, you know, I once we get to the latter half and, and the way the main title picture is going to uh, move out, I think we're going to need some other players for that main tier, and I think Seth's going to be one of those guys. Absolutely. Well, let's keep on that gear. That is going to do it for the matches that are set in stone for night one. I know there's a lot of rumors out there, but until WWE puts it out, we're not going to report this night one. I know there's other rumors out there, but I'm going to avoid it. So that is our set in stone. So now the rest of what we talk about could happen on night one or could happen on night two. So you can't say that we didn't forewarn you. And we're going to start with a match because I'm going to be the one previewing it first since we we do the roundtable here. And I feel like I, I, I drew this one on purpose. And that, of course, is... Brock Lesnar taking on the giant Omus uh, with MVP in his corner at WrestleMania. And this is the match that's getting a lot of heat. Uh, the internet wrestling community is not a fan. There's a lot of fans that aren't fans. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I fall on the side of being a fan of this, and I'm going to tell you why. And it could change that mania, but I'm going to tell you why the build. I think that they did a decent thing of the build here. I love Brock Lesnar joking and laughing. Yeah. There's something about about a monster who can laugh and make fun and have a good time, but still you know that he, you're scared. I mean, every time I see a clip, I always think of the Pat McAfee saying that if an alien came to this planet and said, we're going to enslave everybody unless you find me a champion uh, that, I, that can defeat me, we're all going to point at Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. There's no question about it. No, that <laughs> really? Who, who well, no, I'm saying no. There's no question. Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna point at Brock Lesnar and say that's our champion. Yeah, yeah. and he's probably gonna rip that alien's head off. Let's be honest. I mean, after, I, after I, like 18 or 19 suplexes. Yeah, he's 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 a ma- he's a monster. But with that being said, this match I think has been funny. I loved I love that uh, players club, or they still call it the players club. I think with him and MVP, the they VIP call it lounge, the VIP yeah. lounge. Yeah, uh, back in the day, it was the players club. Remember? Yep. yep. So uh, now now I'm I'm looking at it. I'm like. You know, I think that it was funny. I like the build to this match. Now, here's the thing. Omus is not great in the ring. We know that. I mean, most guys that are seven foot plus are not great in the ring. Great Kali, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the giant Gonzalez. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a lot of those guys aren't. I mean, that size does limit you. Mm-hmm. Very few guys that are that big are agile. I mean, even to an extent, not shitting on him. The big show, Paul White, he made the best out of what he could do. Right. You know, but not everybody's going to be, you know, I know he's unpopular as a human being, but not everybody's going to be Kane or The Undertaker mm-hmm. or, you know, like Bam Bam Bigelow or right. some of these other big men who ha- are super agile. I get that. Do I think almost needs some more work? Absolutely. But let's be honest. This match will be just fine at WrestleMania if, and this is the if, it's under 10 minutes. And the match ends with Brock Lesnar giving almost the F5. Because that is the only way that I can see. Because the visual, ladies and gentlemen, if you think about this in your head, of a man that makes Brock Lesnar, when they stand next to each other, look small. Uh-huh. The visual that will happen if Lesnar gets him on the shoulders and throws him over for the F5 is a WrestleMania moment. That is an Andre the Giant slam by Hulk Hogan moment if I've ever seen one. And I think that if that's what they're going for and that's what they give us and it's under 10 minutes... I'm fine with it. Now, if it goes north of 10 minutes, and I'm not talking about with intros, I'm talking about the match itself. Right. If it goes north of 10 minutes and Omus wins, I don't see how you pull that off and make it entertaining. That's just me. So I'm picking Brock Lesnar and hoping for the best, and I'm prepared for the worst. 
Padawan J, your picks. I mean, listen, this this build has been simple, but let's face it, you don't need a complicated build for these two. This is Farmer Brock. You know, like they said, if you haven't seen the, the WWE Rivals uh, program on A&E, you know, where they did Roman versus Brock. Brock, at this point in his career, wants to show a different side of himself. He wants to show the nicest self. He's been the beast incarnate for so long. And, hey, he wants to show he's a friendly side. And, and the, the point they pointed out that I didn't know is after his SummerSlam match with Roman, you know, he climbed the corner of the ring that was pulled up by the forklift and tipped his hat to the crowd, you know, and like, a th- hey, thanks for all the support, you know. So the fact we're getting this happy Brock, this different Brock, it's a nice change. And, and I went from, and, and Ken can attest to this from all the Monday Night Raws mm-hmm. we, we watched together, where it'd come out for Brock Lesnar and I'd be just, oh, fuck, okay, I guess we're doing this again, to I'm actually excited to see Brock now. And, and you're right, almost makes him look tiny. Which Brock always looks like a monster, always looks big, and, and part of it could, is the felt, the way they shoot the show and and the camera angles. But like you said, I didn't realize how tall Omus was because they they built him at, at seven foot three, and you always hear a number and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that's kind of tall. And then they actually stood face to face with each other, and I was watching with my girlfriend Liz Bailey, and I went, holy fuck, he really is tall. You know, so it's going to be something to see. The moment I think you're you're right that there's going to be like a, a Hogan slams Andre moment in this match, and I think it's going to be when Brock uh, suplexes him, because there was a moment it was either this week or last week I'm on an error I can't remember which where MVP said you're not going to suplex almost you, like you can't you just can't get him up he's too tall he's too big he's too this so seeing Lesnar yes the F5 is going to be insane but seeing him actually pick up. Omus and then suplex him over the head is going to be one of the nuttiest things we've seen in quite some time. Ultimately, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Brock Lesnar though, because Omus has been getting the one up on him for so long and just, you know, and not even like beating him in the ring, but like it's always led to the in-ring moments, which are quick and short, but listen, you don't need something very long. I agree with you. This match, maybe 10 minutes, maybe 11 minutes. Don't keep it long. But I think what it's ultimately going to be is Brock's going to get it and get the win. Yeah, I mean, my, my draw for this is remember Goldberg versus Lesnar a few years oh, ago. Yeah, that match ended up being pretty damn good because it was a an eight minute train, two trains just smashing into each other. So it ended up being a, an entertaining match. I'm not saying the the legendary great match, but it was an entertaining match, and so we weren't shitting on it. And I think that's what you're going to get here as well. Uh, once again, though, this is kind of an interesting territory for before I turn it over to you, uh, Ken. An interesting territory that usually. The Goliath in the fight is Brock Lesnar. In this fight, he is David. Yeah, it's a great flip of the storyline for him because, as we see, and as you both have touched upon, I mean, Brock has always been the beast incarnate. He's always been the dominant force. Well, now he's not. And that's what makes this an interesting story. And I like the build that they've done. The uh, happier, gentler Brock Lesnar, quote-unquote, has been a refreshing change on WWE programming. And then to now see him going against Almas, who this is a big profile match for him, but... What is going to be the selling point, like you touched upon, Rich? Him getting that F5 is going to be what everybody talks about. It could even be one from the top rope, just saying. They're going to really want to make an exclamation point moment when this happens. Uh, I'm calling Brock for the win, and I think this is going to lead to the Hurt Business getting reformed. Uh, I I could uh, could it be happier about that? Of course, uh, there's a lot of rumors circulating about the new Hurt Business, but that will be speculation for post-WrestleMania, yes. if that goes into effect. Uh, let's talk about the six-woman tag team extravaganza. On one side, we have Trish Stratus and your WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Lita and Becky Lynch, taking on Damage Control, Bailey, Dakota Kai, and EO Sky. 
And this has been a hell of a setup. We've been coming here for a while. I mean, the original WrestleMania rumor was Bailey versus Trish Stratus. Mm-hmm. If you remember all those month, months ago. Yeah. So we are getting Bailey versus Trish Stratus only in a six-woman match, which I, I'm going to say on the surface is a, is a good move because you have two legends in there with Trish and Lita. I'm not saying that they're not both in phenomenal shape and they're obviously still getting the job done, but let's be honest, they're, they're, their prime is past them. Yeah. You also have two of the, the best wrestling women in the world in Bailey and Becky Lynch in there right now. And then you have two young, young up-and-comers in EO Sky and Dakota Kai. I think as far as a generational match, this is one of those great generational matches. The build has been great. I don't mind that they give the, gave the tag titles to uh, Lita and Becky. Uh, if you're looking for prestige, I know that uh, Becky is still trying to defend the tag titles. We'll talk about that in speculation later on because obviously it's not going to happen in the six-woman match. But she is still politicking from what she said in, in interviews mm-hmm. to defend the, the, the WWE uh, tag team women's tag team championships at WrestleMania. So we'll find out if that does happen. We'll talk, like I said, we'll talk about that in the speculation section later. Let's focus on what's at hand here with a six-woman tag match. We are going to start with Padawan Jay. How are you feeling about this match? Break it down and give us your pick. This match, I'm excited for it just because I've only gotten to see, and for those who don't know, I've only been watching WWE since WrestleMania 30, so I didn't get to see a lot of Lita's and Trisha's stuff. I'm working up through the pay-per-views on the Peacock right now, you know, but I haven't gotten to that period yet. But, you know, so the fact I've only got gotten to see a couple of Lita matches, you know, in the the Royal Rumbles and whatnot, and Trish only a handful of times. The fact that I get to see Trish and Lita again is got me all sorts of excited. And the fact it's a six-woman tag with with Becky Lynch involved and then also damage control. Listen, I'm excited. Got to point out one thing, though. Becky Lynch in her promo on Monday Night Raw last night said absolutely nothing wrong about Dakota Kai and Eos Kai, where she said she looked at uh, Bailey and goes, you're wasting them. You know, uh, the you know Dakota Kai is a two-time uh, women's tag team NXT women's tag team champion, and and what she done since she's come up to the main roster, you're holding them back. So Becky Lynch said nothing wrong. Tell me otherwise. You know, but then I'm also excited for this just because. Listen, let's not forget Trish Stratus had her quote unquote retirement match at SummerSlam a couple years ago against Charlotte, and she did an interview with CBS where she said, "quote I've always said, why would I come out of retirement? I had a perfect post-retirement moment with Charlotte at SummerSlam. It was a great match for me." It was a generational face-off that was cool. It was like the best of her times against arguably the best of my times. Uh, To have us face off was a really special and unique and just really the timing of it being in Toronto was just perfect. I had the opportunity to really have the two of us go and showcase that. That pretty much could have been the perfect ending. I've always said it would really take something super special to get me out of retirement. It's got to be fun. It's got to be challenging, but it has to be something special. It has to somehow impact the next generation. It really has to have the fans interested. Maybe we're bringing in the older fans and integrating them into the new fans, close quote. So the fact that you talk Trish out of retirement, when let's face it, she had a great match with, with Charlotte oh, a couple of years ago at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. The fact that you've talked Trish out of retirement, you've got the belts on, on Becky Lynch and Lita. And, and like you said, if they defend the belts, fine. You know, whatever. It, it's up to them. It's up to booking. I got no issues with it. But this match should be awesome. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm going to say it's going to be uh, Trish, Lita, and Becky with the win. Yeah. I, I, to touch on what you said, I, I'm agreeing with you about the Tristrat stuff, but let's be honest. I think that last year's service with, with Steve Austin is showing a lot of these legends, hey, if you still have something in the tank, this right. crowd wants to see you. Right. And I think this is, a once again, 
she pointed out fun. Obviously, she thinks it's going to be fun to go out with there with her best friend, two of the best women's wrestlers in the world today, and two up-and-comers. And I think you can't define fun even more than that, especially adding her star power name to it. So I, I think that that's really where they're at. But yeah, the Steve Austin effect from last year, I think, is weighing heavy. I mean, there's no coincidence John Cena's back this year. Right. Uh, Ken M., your breakdown. So Damage Control really kicked off the Triple H era last year at SummerSlam. And a lot of feedback was they're getting pushed very much to the top of the card. I know they're closing Monday Night Raws out for a little while. And they did cool off for a little bit and let a lot of the other women's division run and really grow, which I think was a very beneficial thing in the long run. At this stage, this is a perfectly set up feud for Bailey and Dakota and EO. And what I mean by this is now they're coming back into the spotlight. They're, and this is a really a story of the past, the present, and the future. You talk about the past and two legends that really made the WWE's women's wrestling, help women's wrestling period, and that is Trish, Trish Stratus and Lita. That now they're back in a high-profile match with Becky Lynch, who is the biggest, one of the biggest stars in women's wrestling today. I would argue the biggest draw ever in women's wrestling. The man gimmick was over like a motherfucker. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And Bailey and her, along with Sasha and Charlotte, was the four horsewomen that really revolutionized women's wrestling and really elevated the status on WWE programming and really had to trickle down to all professional wrestling too at a time where it kind of was in a lull. I think that's fair to say. And now you have Dakota and EO, which are representing the, that new NXT class that's on their way up and how stacked that roster was. And even now with NXT, they still have a lot of new superstars that are just waiting their time to get on the main roster. It's a great mix of everybody involved. But where I think this is interesting, and they almost telegraphed something last night on Monday Night Raw, and I know I messaged Pat about this, is when Trish, Lita, and Becky came out. And Trish and Becky, or I'm sorry, Lita and Becky were holding up the belts. Trish kind of was taking the back seat a little bit. And, you know, you saw she kind of made just like a little facial expression, just kind of planting a little seed of jealousy. And then when they got in the ring and they did the hard cam pose, both Lita and Becky raised the belts, and all of a sudden Trish jumped to the front to do the finger pose up. Mm -hmm. I think they're setting up for a heel turn for Trish Stratus. And where I think this is going to come into play is she's going to take out Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, giving damage control the win. And where is SummerSlam being held this year? Detroit. Detroit? Yes. I think that that might be where we see... Trish Stratus versus Becky Lynch. Hmm. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. Another horsewoman down for. Uh, I'm going to say like this. I, I didn't see Raw last night because I was at the New York Knicks game in New York City. So I'll just let you guys know. So I didn't get to see any of that. I did see your guys' reports. So that was awesome. So it helped out a lot. Um, I'm going to look at it like this. This I'm glad that you brought up the damage control thing. When they first started, it seemed like they were overpushed, And I think all of us kind of thought that as wrestling fans. I think they cooled down. Yeah, I think it was the first part of Triple H's. There has been mistakes along the way with Triple H. Let's sure. be honest. Sure. And, and I don't want to call them mistakes necessarily because it's still so young in him doing it. I more called it growing pains because as we've seen him go on, he's learned more and more. So in the beginning, I think he really wanted to put over the fact that, hey, we brought back EO Sky, who was as good as gone to Japan. 
yeah. you know, going home. And then you Dakota Kai, who should have gotten an opportunity and didn't. So now we've brought her back, and Bailey's comes back from injury. Here we go. We have this this group together. And I really want to make women's wrestling, you know, back to the top of the card again. Mm-hmm. You know, understandably so. Bianca Belair has main evented WrestleMania. Charlotte Flair has main evented WrestleMania. However, you know, I think as a whole, he wants to build divisions. We've started it. We've seen that, and we'll talk about it later with the Intercontinental title and the United States title, obviously, in a huge match here at WrestleMania. Both of them, actually, very featured matches. And a prominence, and they bring him back. So that's kind of where he's been at. And obviously, I feel like he's going to try that with a tag division as well. But I think there was the growing pains was first with the women's division. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of got into the groove. Because, yes, it was like every week, damage control was yep. dominating Raw. Out of three hours of Raw, you'd probably have a half hour better of damage control. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they disappeared, though. So it was like an overcorrection. Now we're getting into a comfortable zone again. I like what you said. If the stuff with Trish Stratus happens... That's fine with me, and that could actually play into, you know, if the titles are or do end up on the line at WrestleMania at some point juncture on night two or wherever. And, you know, an injured Becky Lynch is not going to, you know, maybe that's a way that you get the belts off of them, and that's kind of like going in, and then you can do a little bit with Trish and Lita, which I wouldn't mind even. Yeah. Let's go. Let's rekindle the Trish versus Lita feud yeah. and have a couple matches in between now and SummerSlam with Becky coming back and, you know, Get, you know, getting in there. And, of course, Trish, anytime she's going to step in the ring is pretty awesome. So if she wants to come back and wrestle a few matches, I'm all for it. Same with Lita. Like, Lita's looked good since she's come back. So let's let's, let's get that in there, and especially because they're willing to wrestle and put over the young talent, mm-hmm. i.e. Trish Stratus with Charlotte Flair. Um, so I, I just want to say that this is a win-win for everybody. I personally am going to go to the road of Pat. I think the faces are going to win because I'm, yeah. I'm not going with a turn. I think the faces are going to win. I would love to see your booking, though, Ken. So that's I, I'll cross my fingers for that. Okay. But if not, I think the faces are going to win to send the crowd home happy. And I, and I would anticipate this, honestly, to be on night one because, once again, when we talk speculation, I think that'll play a part on night two. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the faces. And I think this has also been built very well. I'm glad Bailey's going to get in a high-profile match. Uh, she deserves it. I know yeah. there's a lot of people online that don't think so for some reason. Uh, unfortunately, oh, that's a bad take. Yeah, she unfortunately, deserves she deserves the, her position. So is in Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. So I mean, let's 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 keep it above board. You know what I mean? And I'm sure that uh, the rumors are probably true. Sasha Banks will probably be in the back, folks. Or Mercedes Money, she'll probably be in the back to support her friend. Because mm-hmm. I know some people were like, "Oh, you know, they won't let her in at WrestleMania." You think they won't? Come on, man. I, I'm not saying she's going to come out in front it's of the as, world as crowd. As close as her and Triple H were from her NXT days, please, dude. She's and also if you read what she said, she's been very complimentary to Triple H and you know she just wanted her dream to come true and that doesn't mean she's closing the book on WWE her reasons were her reasons as mm-hmm. she pointed out she had previous she had she had problems with the previous administration and now she's like hey if things are whatever but i also have an opportunity to live a dream and i don't blame her for it so everybody's just reading more than what's in it it's not a cm punk situation right. it's not anything like that and i'm i'm guaranteeing if she wants to go and support bailey and be in the back and watch that yeah. she's going to be there and and triple h is not to have zero fucking problems with it just so that get that rumor mill out of the way uh we're now going to break it down because I want to talk about the two women's titles matches back-to-back. Like I said, I don't think that they're going to both happen on night one. Or at least I hope not because I would like to split them up. But we're just going to talk about them because, like I said before, we don't know where any of this stuff is going. So let's talk about the one that's more, um, let's say, we'll say controversial for lack of better term to fans. And that, of course, would be the Raw Women's Championship match. Your champion, the EST of WWE, Bianca Belair, taking on Asuka. And uh, once again, we've talked about it on the show. This is one of those ones that, the, you know, there's no story for. We're not building to it. 
What's going on? And I'm of that wrestling ilk of, I like story and I like psychology, but there's two different ways you can tell a story in wrestling, in my opinion. You can tell it over a long-term storytelling booking, or you can just tell it in the fucking ring. You can tell it in the ring between two great athletes. And we go back to this past week on Dynamite, and we got to see a dream match, and it was a dream match for us wrestling fans who watch everything, between Vikingo and Kenny Omega. Mm -hmm. And it lived up to my expectations, and the world got to see why the fuck Vikingo is who he is at 25 years of age. And good, good on Kenny Omega, almost 40 years old, and keeping up with a young kid like that. Impressive. So I look at this match much the same way. Asuka is a little older. People forget that. Mm-hmm. And she's been around, and she's a fucking great wrestler and one of the best athletes in the world in women's wrestling. And on the other hand, you have I, – I know it's a nickname, but let's be honest. She is the EST. Facts. It, sometimes – and they're, they're building a little something because we're going down this mental decline, if you will, this dive into this psych, psychotic Asuka, and we're getting there. And I just think that that story is in the background. And I think that this match, without going into my explanation, because I want to pass it off to you, Ken, but I really do think this match is going to be the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. And I know you're going to talk about that, too, because we kind of share that. So we're going to go with that. But, Ken, break it down. Give us your pick. This goes into just classic storytelling. And for everybody that's complaining like the lack of storyline, I think we have to blame Triple H. And Why? Because since he's taken over, he's elevated so much that we're now spoiled to thinking everything needs to be this monumental build and have this huge payoff when you can just have somebody who is a bona fide contender in Asuka win the opportunity against a champion who has held the belt for over a year now, I believe. Uh, Coming up on here. Yeah, coming coming up on here. So that's all the story needs to be. Not everything needs to be this over-the-top build. It sometimes just needs to be a great contender versus a great champion, and that's what we have here. And since Asuka has come back, I am saying there's no chance she is losing this. This is going to be a match of the year candidate. I'm going to say it right now, and I'm going to say Asuka is going to pull off the big win. Okay, so breaking it down too with story wise, I think of this match's story originally on the surface. Story is simple: we needed a challenger, we crowned a number one contender in Elimination Chamber. It's Asuka. Yep, Asuka versus Bianca Belair, the number one contender versus the champion. That is the basic story. That's the underlying story. However, the story that they're telling is not a story between Bianca Belair and Asuka. The story they're telling is the descent into madness of Asuka. Mm-hmm. Like every week we're seeing something new. I know that it was conf- it's confusing to a lot of people and maybe you don't get it. Maybe you don't like it. And that's perfectly fine. There's some parts of it that I haven't gotten or liked, but I get what they're going for. Like when she came out and she ha- had normal makeup on, which we never see. Yeah. And she's wearing like it reminded, like I told you, it reminded me of the Joker from Batman 89 when he paints his face. Uh, he paints over it and he makes himself look like a normal human being. Mm-hmm. And then he, all of a sudden he's wiping it off and you can see the white. And like at the end of that match, she's got the, the, the blue coming out of her mouth. And she's like laughing because her, in her head is crumbling. She's going into the mouth of madness. And I think what's going to happen, in my opinion, is that WrestleMania, if we're telling the story, and I don't mind who wins. If Asuka wins, I'm, so, I'm super happy as well. But I think Bianca Belair is going to retain because I think that that's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. I think that we're going to go into the real descent of Asuka, and I think we're going to get a heel version 
of Asuka. And you can call the version Kana if you want. Mm. You can call it whatever you want. Dark Asuka. I don't know. I, there's a lot of names out there for it. But at the end of the day, we're going to get to see, you know, the madness come out. And it's going to take a very drastic turn. And I think that at Backlash or, you know, or you know, of the pay-per-view after, I think you'll see the change of title. I think she'll take the belt off her. But I think that that last loss, because I think at the end of this match, we're not ending a storyline. I think at the end of the match, she's going to snap. And she's going to go like she's going to shake her hand, and she's going to blow the mist in her face, and she's going to put her in the Asuka lock. And she's going to, you know, the champion might retain, but Asuka's going to come out walking away from the ring, and Bianca's not. And I think that's going to be the story going forward. And then we'll have the actual story between the two wrestlers. I think that they're, I think at this point in juncture, and I could be wrong, but it feels like to me they're building up this story in a different way, and that's fine. There's many ways to do a story. Sometimes you can just have two great wrestlers get in a ring, and they can tell the story in the ring and paint you a picture. You know what I mean? They should be able to do that. Like watching Vikingo and Omega, they painted a picture. They painted the picture of the old grizzled vet versus this young, fast kid. And there's parts in the match where you could see Kenny really playing, oh man, I'm tired. Mm -hmm. Even though you could tell he was keeping up, but he was playing the, oh man, I'm tired. Can I keep up with this kid? And he finally gets him. You know, the 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 old man, you know, get you know, uses a trick out of the book to make sure he gets the victory. Right. And then the kid, you know, you know, just comes up short. I still think that they should have had Vikingo go over because you can bring it back after that. That's just oh, my personal huge, belief. Yeah. And I know we're talking AEW when we're talking WWE, but it's kind of similar here. You're coming into a match where the build is kind of on Asuka in her slide into madness, and then the match is the secondary, which we know is going to be great in the ring. And I think that that's why when you take a step back, win, lose, or draw, I think we're going to get the next piece for Asuka. And I think that this is the start of the actual mania itself is the real start of the Bianca Belair versus Oscar feud going forward. Padawan, your, uh, your wonderful, uh, opinion is up next. Yeah. So th- listen, the build up to this match has been fine. You know, it's nothing over the moon. Oh my God. It's the best build in pro wrestling history. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's been fine. You know, it's, it's, you know, once the way the women's Royal rumble went down the way it did, it was ultimately, okay, well, something's going to happen in an elimination chamber. You know, Asuka won that, so she became, you know, the title hold or the the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship. And ever since Asuka came out at the Royal Rumble with her kind of crazier, like you said, Joker look, you know, it's been an, oh my God, like, it just seems like she's gone to that whole different level of like, maybe they finally let her do it and she's been petitioning for it for a while and, or just something finally clicked and it's just been awesome. Not, not to take anything away from Bianca Belair because she is approaching, like they said it on Raw, she's approaching a year mm-hmm. as Raw Women's Champion, but I think it's time to switch the belt because she's run through a lot of the women's division and there's not much left that, you know, it, 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 it that it's, oh, she's still got X, Y, and Z to face. Listen, and I know MVP has said he wants a reign for Bianca Belair as long as Roman reigns. The division's not that deep. I, I would like to see her have a long reign, but it's been a year. She's run through practically the entire division. So unless you want to switch her to SmackDown for some reason, I don't know how you do this. So I think the time is uh, is for Asuka. And I also want to pose this. Asuka, according to her ProFightDB uh, profile, has wrestled in 530 matches in her professional wrestling career. She is 0-4 at WrestleMania. Interesting. She has never won at WrestleMania. Uh, Her first WrestleMania was at WrestleMania 34, where she lost the SmackDown women's title to uh, Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair defended. I remember that. That was the first time she spoke, too, because that's when she 
you were ready for Asuka. Yep. The following year, WrestleMania 35, she was in a battle royal where she was not the victor. Uh, WrestleMania 36, she was in a women's tag team matchup with Kyrie Sane, who lost to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Okay. And then WrestleMania 37, she lost to Rhea Ripley, who won the Raw Women's Championship. She was not on WrestleMania 38 last year. Yeah. So she's never won in, in all of her accolades, you know, a, a reign longer than Goldberg's or whatever it was that I forgot until they mentioned it on Raw last night. You know, in, in all the championships she's won and all, you know, won it, winning the Royal Rumble, winning money in the bank and all this other stuff that she's never won at WrestleMania, which to me seems wild. You know, so I think that it's is her, a crazy stat. I think I think it's her time and she's going to be uh, Bianca Belair because let's face it, nothing against Bianca. She is one of the best uh, women's wrestlers on the roster right now. The the body of work proves that if you don't believe me, go back and watch some of her matches. But just she it's run its course. She's she's run through the entire division. And I think keeping the belt on her after mania is just going to be stringing it along too too far. Yeah, this is an MMA. If you run through a division, it's not good for business. Yeah. And the difference in, and I want to say that I love what MVP said. I mean, if if the division was deep enough, I, I, I'm i not saying it's not because they have plenty of women. But oh, sure. they're not as established. And you don't have the plug and play that you have for Roman Reigns. Because mm-hmm. let's be honest, Roman is an unprecedented championship run talking about that. Yeah. Because he fought a lot of the same guys. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Kevin Owens matches mm-hmm. on that list. There's a lot of Seth Rollins matches on that list, et cetera, et cetera. So he fought a lot of the same guys in this run. It's not a lot of fresh stuff. But thankfully, you know, it got he got over there. And I'm not saying Bianca's not great. But I don't think she's as over as Roman is. Right. The, so the, you can't you can't leave the belt out of that. Yeah. Plus no. the bloodline storyline is just a whole different Absolutely. whole different you know apples and oranges. The only way I could see it going longer, and and this isn't happening, is if there was somebody down at NXT who was as dominant as Oscar, not more dominant, but as dominant as she was, that you can bring them up night after WrestleMania. And have them legit come out and legitimately look at them and go, yeah, that's a contender. But there's nobody down there right now. Yeah, unfortunately, because I bet you that that might have been the plan for Mandy Rose prior Possibly. to could have been situations. Possibly, but here's the other thing you have to worry about in that situation. We've seen some of this stuff before, but we've seen everything in wrestling before. I think at the end of the day, I think the most important thing in this, and I'm going to rag on it, is that. Asuka's development to this next character, this next level, which is going to be entertaining as shit, I think is going is is the most important thing that's going to come out of WrestleMania this year, as far as uh, you know, starting a feud because I don't think this ends the feud. So win, lose or draw, I think that this feud is going to really start at Mania, and that's why I could see Bianca possibly winning because I think that that straw that broke the camel's back is going to be awesome. Like, if you think about it, she goes to shake the hand, and as soon as she, you know, she shakes the hand, it looks like it's all friendly, and she blows the blue mist in her face mm. and slaps her in the Oscar lock post-match, post-losing. You're going to realize we're dealing with somebody different. Yeah. And going forward, and then she takes the belt off of her after. But like I said, I, I nothing against MVP's quotes, because I, th- I think he's got a great idea. She's wonderful and tremendous. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. think Bianca Belair is one of the greatest professionals. I've, I've pitched that if Jade Cargill ever leaves AEW, because uh, of the work she puts in, that a future main event at Mania is Jade versus Bianca Belair, because I think they're both uh, incredible. Uh, obviously, Bianca's already there, and I think Jade has the same upsize. Mm-hmm. So I think that that would be an amazing main event at WrestleMania one day if it ever happens. Oh, my God, yeah. But once again, I think Bianca's here for the long haul to begin with. I mm-hmm. think that she's going to go on to have many, many more moments. So like a loss of a belt, I don't think it matters as much. As much as like Asuka losing at Mania, let's be honest, 
Asuka's career is she's right up there with Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. Like for as much as people like to talk shit for some reason on the internet, I've never figured it out. Asuka is entertaining. She was the best part of pandemic yep. wrestling. We found her yes. to be tremendously entertaining there. And then on top of that, she's every time she's there's a bar, she fucking clears it and then some. And Bianca's doing the same. And I think right now we need to elevate. And I think we're going to see the elevation of a lot of other women and possibly in the near future get all of that going on. Let's talk about the other women's championship match. And, of course, that is for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, it is your champion, uh, the queen, Charlotte Flair, defending the title against your 2023 Royal Rumble winner, Rhea Ripley, who who is hotter than Rhea Ripley in the world of women's wrestling right now as far as a product I don't think anybody is. I like what they've done here because the story's built in. This is another one of those that the story isn't getting this grand like push over, but we know the story. The story is a few years back, Charlotte mm-hmm. Flair won the Royal Rumble, and instead of taking a challenge at the SmackDown or Raw Women's Champion, she said, no, I'm going to go after the NXT Champion because I believe Rhea Ripley is the future of this company and I want to put her back into her place before she gets there. That was exactly the storyline there. And what did Charlotte do? She defeated Rhea Ripley for the NXT championship and put her in quote unquote her place. So now fast forward, Rhea Ripley coming off of the only person I think has benefited from the judgment day storyline in yeah. my opinion. Oh, agreed. And she's now coming into the the Royal Rumble where she's the number one entrant in the Rumble and she runs the gambit. She runs all the way through 29 other women to win the Royal Rumble, the first woman in history to go from number one to the end. Also, the longest run in the Royal Rumble. The second longest, of course, the woman she beat, Liv Morgan. So that's kind of interesting as well because they have the same time, but one, one, one didn't. Yeah. And so I, and and once again, credits to Liv Morgan, who, if people think that they're burying Liv Morgan, you don't have a run like that in the rumble, same as Gunther in the men's rumble, and you're not getting set up for something. Mm -hmm. However, it is Rhea's time. And I think that the story is beautiful because now we're back to WrestleMania. We've had one WrestleMania match between Charlotte and Rhea. This is number two. And now Rhea says, Hey, I remember you were going to put me in my place. And you know what? At the time you were better. Now that's not the same. Now I'm going to go into mania. I'm focused and there's a lot of cracks in your foundation and I'm going to exploit every single one of them. And I'm going to defeat you and dethrone you and prove that I'm the one that deserves to be the new queen of WWE. And I think this is perfect because here's the thing. The story writes itself. Rhea Ripley wins, defeats Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown women's championship. Then she's on SmackDown and we don't have the judgment day, hopefully anymore. Please God. Not that I hate Finn Balor, Damian Priest, but Maria and Dominic Mysterio, we'll talk about it later. It's another story. (laughs) Uh, But she's going to win that title. And then of course, somewhere down the road, whether it's next year, the year after, whenever we'll get the third WrestleMania match between Charlotte and Rhea. And I think this is great booking down the road. I think that they set this up purposely, even though he wasn't in charge, but I knew that they knew that they were going to main event multiple WrestleManias. There's no way they couldn't, you know, predict that because look at the talents you have with Rhea Ripley and look at who Charlotte Flair is. Mm-hmm. Charlotte Flair is the equivalent of her father yep. in women's wrestling. Like whether people like it or not. And I think yeah. that's why a lot of people boo her. And I don't think it's because of who her father was. Listen, she put in the fucking work. Mm-hmm. You can't say maybe you don't like Charlotte Flair, but you can't say you don't respect her. And if you do, I, I, I really want to understand why you don't respect right. what she has done and the work she's put in and the things that she does in that ring. But I digress. I think Rhea Ripley walks out champion. I think next year, year after year after that, we'll get the third rubber match between the two in a big WrestleMania way. I'm not saying that they won't feud in between. I'm just saying 
we'll get that third WrestleMania match. And of course, Charlotte, you can plug and play her anywhere. Let's be honest. Charlotte is, yeah. once again, yeah. we talked about Asuka. We mm-hmm. talked about Bianca. We talked about Seth. You can do whatever because they're, 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 they're over, if you will, if you want to use the word over. Charlotte is too. And she can go on to build somebody else because that's what she does these days. And I, I, I dig it. So, Pad, your thoughts? Uh, this build has been good. You know, like you said, it's nothing special. It's not the worst thing, but it's been good. You know, but we know the story already. You know, I think ultimately Rhea Ripley is going to get the win. But I do, th- which means she's going to go to SmackDown. But I do think Judgment Day is going with her because I think WWE has been tipping their hands a little bit the last couple of weeks because you you think to the Dominic Mysterio and Rey Mysterio storyline where, and we'll get to that whole matchup later, but you think to where, you know, Judgment Day has been there, Dominic's been shit-talking his father, and then they start attacking, uh, you know, Rey Mysterio, and who comes out to save them? Legato Del Fantasma. You know, the, that was two weeks ago on SmackDown. And then you think to last night on Monday Night Raw where uh, he had a match with Damian Priest. And then, you know, DQ, they started attacking him. And who comes out to save him again? Not on SmackDown, but on Monday Night Raw. Legato Del Fantasma. So I think ultimately Rhea is going to win. Have to move over to SmackDown because, hey, she's a SmackDown Women's Champion. Judgment Day is going to go with her. She's going to go off and she's going to feud with whoever they want her to feud with. And then you're going to get a Judgment Day feud between with Ray or not Ray with Dominic Priest and Finn going against Legato Del Fantasma. Okay. I have no problems with that. Although I will say this. The only problem I have is Dominic Mysterio. Minus five stars is all I'm saying. And that's the first of many breaks in there. I mean, listen, we will get Michael Cole swearing profanities at Dominic Mysterio on live TV. So I have no issues. All right, Ken, you're you're up. Well, first, I just want to say, Pad, thank you for putting that in my head that Finn Balor will be taking on Santos Escobar. Right. I, I, I really think I'm been, here for that. I think they've been tipping it. No, that's that's a brilliant uh, take on that. And you know what? I agree with you. Rhea Ripley has emerged as the breakout star of a bad gimmick and making the best of a bad situation, in my opinion. The Judgment Day really fell off when they took Edge away from it. And it's nothing against Finn Balor, but what is the purpose of the the faction? And that's why it just hasn't been connecting. I mean, they just come out as the brooding bunch, but there's no sizzle to them at all. And we'll just take Dominic Mysterio out of this equation because I don't want to talk about him. Uh, but you think about Rhea Ripley taking this gimmick, running with it, making it into something, and there's nobody more over in wrestling right now arguably than her that she has now elevated her status up so much with a dominant performance at the Royal Rumble and now running it back against Charlotte Flair and touching on a storyline that we saw a few years back. This is, I don't want to say long-term storytelling, but it's great that they can go back and re-envision this feud with Charlotte. And now Rhea is not the same Rhea that Charlotte fought years ago. Rhea's on a whole different level. It's her time. I can't see this going any other way than Rhea winning. And then after that, SmackDown is either going to get a big shakeup or they're going to run this back and her and Charlotte are going to have their rematch sooner than later because I would personally love to see next year's WrestleMania, Rhea Ripley versus Bianca Belair. Mm. That would be great. That would be great. 
Um, there's a lot of crazy things they can do us. So we're going to talk about one more match before we switch, uh, before we take the first break and go into the second segment and I can get to pick the match. And the match I'm going to pick is the match that I think should main event night one of WrestleMania. I know if you've been listening to the program, you know that me and Ken feel the same way. And of course that match is for the undisputed WWE World Tag Team Championships. Your champion, the Usos, Jimmy and Jay taking on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And this of course is into that bloodline storyline feud. And, uh, I, I heard it best, you know, the, I'm going to give all the credit in the world. And I do believe it was Tommy dreamer that brought this up on busted open. And we talked about it uh, a couple weeks ago. I think that this is the match that has to be the main event, because if you're talking about leaving a night on a cliffhanger, if you're looking at it as television, you go, what's the cliffhanger? Okay. The Usos versus Sammy and Kevin Owens ends the night. And when that's going to carry over the repercussions, if you will, will carry over into night two. And it's just a great way to balance them out. The other thing, too, is no matter where, if, if assuming or hypothetically this isn't the main event of night one, anywhere else you put this match on the, on the card, the crowd's going to be burned out. Oh, I agree. You know, I think that's why it's the main event. It, it has the main event because let's just say you put it third on night one while every match after that, the crowd's going to be burned out. The, from a booking standpoint, for me just giving some of what I consider expertise, I guess, from doing the job, I think there's only two places for this match on the card. It's either going to be the last match of night two, or night one, sorry, we know the last mm-hmm. match of night two, or the first match of night one. Because then you could have the, you, you take your weakest match or what you think is your weakest match, and you put it on second, which is the normal spot, you know, as yeah. we talk about for one of your weaker matches, because if the crowd tunes out, so what, you just sacrifice that match. They'll come back by, you put a strong match in the third spot. I know that's Sounds stupid to, you know, like people are like, well, why do it like that? Well, you have to give the ups and downs. Right. Wrestling and booking is a roller coaster. And I've always said your first match of the card should be your second best match on your card. Like when you're looking at it on paper and you're anticipating, always you anticipate your main event to be your best match. I'm not saying that somebody can't steal the show because it happens all the time. But the main event, when it's booked, that's the marquee, right? Mm-hmm. So then that opening contest should always be the second best match to get the crowd in. Boom. We want them on their feet. We want them pumped. I think that's why John Cena versus. Austin Theory is a perfect pick for night one's opener because you're kicking off WrestleMania and you're going to get the Cena pop. You know, because yeah. now now it's not controversial anymore. He gets the pop. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So you're going to get the Cena pop. It's going to open hot. People are interested in the match. Let's go. So that's why I said there's only two places this can be as far as the tag title match. That is the main event of night one or the opening contest of night two. So that's why I want to bring it up here in this spot. But this is... The, we talked about it. We don't have to dive in fully, Ken. But mm. We've talked about the Bloodline feud. The Bloodline feud started with Jay Huso and Roman Reigns. Yep. I feel like this is going to continue that started of the thing. We've entered in Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. This is going to elevate them to that next level in conquering the Bloodline. Of course, the main event of night two, which we will get to, is Cody versus Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Championship. That is also culminating in this Bloodline feud. And then where we go from there, and we've speculated on it before and talked about it before, and we're going to talk about it again and again and again because it's the best damn thing in wrestling right now, in my opinion, in Ken's opinion. I speak for Padawan Jay as well, I'm assuming. So with that, Pad, you get to go first. Who do you got been in this match? Give us some breakdown. The, the match, the buildup to this match has been nothing short of incredible. It's been in the brief amount of time I've been watching wrestling, the best storyline I've ever seen, period. You know, I, I can't think of any storyline better that I would put above this, you know, and, and that's the whole bloodline story, you know, where, you know, when the, when the bloodline storyline, when it was just Roman versus Jay, you know, whatever pay-per-view it was during, during the pandemic, I remember, you know, 
going out to get ice cream during one of the pay-per-views, you know, where it was Roman and Jay in the main event because I really wanted ice cream. And I had the match playing on my phone as I was walking through the store, you know, going to pick out my ice cream. You know, that it's just been from start to finish. It's been such an incredible run and an incredible ride that in today's day and age, I never thought I would see something last this long in terms of long-term booking and just the build and matches and whatnot that I, I figured at some point along the way when it kept going, I'm like, all right, this is going to fizzle out at some point. I'm going to lose interest. No, you know, we're, we're in like year three of this and I'm still here. I'm still tuned in. I'm still, what the heck's going to happen catch the clips if I'm not able to watch the show and, and keep up with all the news. You know, as for who I think is going to win, I mean, listen, this is ultimately going to be the start of the downfall of the empire, the uh, the bloodline of the family, you know, and it's going to start with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn getting that moment they've wanted for years and years and years, and that's to win a tag team title together on WrestleMania, you know, and, it, and it's going to start the downfall of Roman. Yeah. Okay. Ken. This is the biggest storyline in all of pro wrestling. This has transcended into pop culture. I think I can speak for all three of us that we know friends and family that are now invested in this storyline that do not watch pro wrestling in any way, shape, or form. Yes. And now it's going to be featured on the grandest stage of them all. You have the Usos, arguably the greatest tag team in WWE history, Arguably the best tag team currently in the business today, taking on a main eventer in Kevin Owens and somebody who has really risen his status in the company and a lot of people's eyes that are just WWE Universe fans. For us that watch the independent scenes like Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, Ring of Honor back before the Tony Khan era, and we know what El Generico, a.k.a. Sami Zayn, can bring. He's now been featured in a role that he was flourishing in and really got to show what he's made of. He's now connected with the audience in a way that we haven't seen since maybe Daniel Bryan. To a degree. To a degree, but even though Daniel Bryan, that's a different... It's a different thing with Daniel Bryan, but Sami has kind of touched upon certain elements in that circumstance. So now... They are going to finish Sammy's story. And Sammy's story has never been about the world title. It has always been about him and Kevin versus the Usos. This has been building since day one. This is going to be a phenomenal match that is going to be a match of the year candidate. And at the end of the night, we're going to be saying end new. Well, I'm glad you said uh, that part because it has always been built to this moment. The reunion of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be honest, it's been there because Jimmy Uso was right on board with Sami Zayn and Jay. It took him a while to win him over. And, you know, so this whole program has been built up. And, of course, that Jay taking a while to, you know, build up also plays in the fact that Jay Uso and Roman Reigns have unfinished business that will eventually be taken care of as well. And then you add in Cody and everybody else. It's been masterful. This is this is a story that has lived on so many levels for so long, and we're not going to see the end of it at WrestleMania. We're just going to see the next chapter and maybe going into the conclusion of that, that book that is known as The Bloodline. However, as we go into that conclusion, it's going to be very exciting, and I, I'm very bummed for this. This is going to be a great match. On top of any storyline, 
storyline, let's be honest, this is going to be a great match. Mm-hmm. You have one of the greatest tag teams in the world today in the Usos, and you have two guys who not only are best friends in real life, which makes up for Ren, they have been former tag team champions elsewhere, Ring of Honor in particular, and also on top of that, they have great chemistry together, whether they're opposing each other or on the same page in Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. I think this match is, is going to be beautiful. It's going to tell a great story. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm with everybody else, let's be honest, and new undisputed tag team champions. The first uh, chink of the armor of the of the uh, bloodline is going to happen, and it's going to happen here, whether it's the opening contest on night two or the main event of night one. Either way, we're going to get a great time as new tag team champions, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens going forward, and hopefully the revitalization of the tag division that we are anticipating coming, because I think that's coming as well. Well, that's going to do it for this opening segment. We're going to take a break. When we come back from that break, we're going to talk about the second half of WrestleMania 39. That's right. We're not done talking about WrestleMania 39. That's why we did two different shows. And then, of course, for you guys that uh, can't get enough of pro wrestling, we have that bonus little bit at the end as well. And that's going to be a whole other segment that not everybody has to listen to if you're just here. But if you're here for that WrestleMania 39 talk, it continues after this break. Do not adjust your dial. Or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack. And I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating and enlightening and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod. And check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds. All right, we're coming back from the break, and we're talking more things WrestleMania 39 on this special 607 TWS and ODPH crossover edition. And uh, we broke down what might be night one, might be night two. We don't know. Uh, We gave you the silence, but now we're coming back for the second half of the matches because there's 13 matches booked so far on this card. And, man, it's it's not easy to talk about all of them that's why we had to give them their due so let's jump right in before uh we waste any more time folks and uh i don't have to do the plugs for the indie roundup so i'm, I'm happy about that <laughs> but if you want to know about indie wrestling check out mine and ken's ultimate indie roundup wrestlemania 39 preview that's already out anywhere you get great podcasts here for 607tws let's dive right in let's talk about the two wrestlemania showcase matches let's start with the women's showcase match of course we now know all four teams in this fatal four-way tag team extravaganza will have Liv Morgan and her partner Raquel Rodriguez taking on Natalia and Shotzi taking on Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler taking on the newly added Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville and this match doesn't need to be too much setup. As they pointed out, we're doing a men's and a women's showcase match. It's getting, you know, more people on the card because obviously doing four tag team matches, eight people apiece. So 16 more people on WrestleMania. I have no complaints about it. And if you are going to rebuff the tag division, I think, and both 
the women's and the men's. I think this is a good way because we can start setting up some contenders. So I'm all for these matches. Let's jump right in. in. Ken, it's your turn on the roundtable. Who do you got winning? And what is your thoughts about the women's showcase? I love the showcase matches for both the men's and the women's because it's allowing somebody to have a WrestleMania moment. But I think the women's, though, is going to have something added to it. Okay. I think due to the actions of Trish Stratus taking out Becky Lynch, they're going to have to give up the women's tag team titles. Mm. And this is going to become the women's tag team title match. Hmm. Interesting. And that said, it's going to be Ronda and Shayna Baszler. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm going to go a little different route. I think that this is going to lead to a tag team title match, though, because I think that Ronda and Shayna Baszler are going to win, so we're, we're both agreeing on the winner. However, I think after they win the match, Becky Lynch, his music's going to hit, and she's going to come out with lead and go, hey, I was dead serious that we were defending these titles tonight, so I know Ooh. you just had a match. You get the, your title shot right now. And I think that coming out of that championship match, you're probably going to end up with Rousey and Shayna winning. You know, a little, maybe some damage control. Maybe that's the night Lita turns. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe Lita turns there. Or not Lita, sorry, Trish Stratus turns there. Sorry. Uh, Freudian slip, if you will. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's, that's my call for what's going to happen. I think it's going to be kind of like they win the match. The tag, Becky goes, hey, I said I wanted a tag title match. We're going to have it right now. And then shenanigans somehow. I do think and new, though. So Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey are going to win the showcase match. And I think that then they're going to go on to become your WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Padawan, Jay, your thoughts? I agree with the both of you. I think it's ultimately going to be uh, Ronda and Shayna Baszler winning. I think they're going to end up becoming number one contenders for the women's tag titles. I don't think the match will take place that night just because there's so many other matches, you know, that if, assuming all these matches we haven't discussed yet are on night two. They're going to go long. Listen, Roman and Cody's going to go at least a half hour, if not longer. You know, I just don't think there's going to be enough time for them to do it on on WrestleMania. So it'll probably be night after WrestleMania, just for a good pop. Uh, I'll even give you this. I so I think it's going to be Shayna and Ronda winning. I think they're going to pin Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville just because that whole they hate the establishment. They got screwed out of the match. Yeah, it's been absolutely hysterical. C- continuing the Karen uh, uh-huh. fiasco. By the way. Chelsea Green has already said she wants to wrestle Adam Pierce at next year's WrestleMania. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> no, she I didn't. She did an interview and That's she said awesome. that next year's WrestleMania, WrestleMania 40, she wants to wrestle Adam Pierce. I'm like, let's fucking go. Yeah. Let's, let's I'm here for this. So maybe we get a long build to that. Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, I, I just want to throw it out there. With the time, I agree with you about the time, but then again, you have to remember, this is on the Peacock. True. Time doesn't exist. True. Uh, I mean, I know none of us want to be up too, too awful late, but once again, it's better than an eight-hour WrestleMania to have two, four, and four and some change WrestleMania. Yeah. I'm, I'm with that more. But I will say that uh, that's why I'm saying time, I don't think is m- as much of an issue as per se, like, you, you know, AEW, where they have actual pay-per-view time. So mm. I think that they can run over a little bit if they want to, but... Eh, you might be right. It might be a great thing to build, too, the night after WrestleMania as well on Raw. Because let's be honest, you got to stack that card somehow. Three-hour event. Mm-hmm. Next up, let's talk about the men's WrestleMania showcase match. Also a fatal four-way tag match. Your teams included are Braun Strowman and Ricochet. The Street Profits, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. Alpha Academy, Chad Gable and Otis. And the Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar with Valhalla in their corner. So the only ones with a manager in this match, by the way, as of the time of recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's break it. I'll break it down. Once again, 
Not a lot of storyline goes in because it doesn't. There's more people on the card. I think that if you're going to use this to revitalize the tag division, you have some proven tag teams in there, and you have some tag teams that they've, you know, there's no tag team in this match that is just thrown together. You could argue Braun and Ricochet, but they've been tagging a lot since they were originally yes, put together. Yes, for a couple months now. So now, you know, you could really argue that they could possibly win this thing and, and kind of go for a title. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously, that'd be kind of fresh and new. Also, Street Profits are one of your top teams, have been for a long time. On top of that, Alpha Academy, they're they're doing this little – I don't think they're going to win because they're doing this whole sideline stuff with, you know, the, the maximum male models or whatever. Uh, so I think that they're going to they're gonna probably not win this match because they're not on the same page. I'm sure that some kind of shenanigans will happen. And then you got the Viking Raiders, who they're s- finally starting to book like the monster tag team they're supposed mm-hmm. to be. So I'm going to go on a limb and say I think the Viking Raiders take this one and set themselves into a position to get a tag team title shot. Uh, I'm going to add to this. I think Strowman and Ricochet will have a good showing. And I think that they should continue them as a tag team because right now they're lost in the shuffle for singles wrestling. Right. And, they, and they believe it or not, they have great chemistry and they do a lot of cool stuff for a big man, little man combination. I think that that could be built upon if we're building up the tag division. And I'm going to say it, what the, the, you know, everybody's thinking street profits. I don't, I think we're going into the last of the street profits. And I don't think that it's going to be the way most people think. I think we're going to get more of a uh, rockers kind of ending. Mm-hmm. I know they kind of just did it a little bit with toxic attraction, mm-hmm. but I think in this case it won't be the exact same thing. But I think everybody's going to be surprised that I think it's going to be Montez Ford who's the heel. Yeah, I think, I think so. Montez Ford will come out of it as the heel. But I think that in the next year, I would be surprised if the Street Profits make it another year. Because both, I think right now, Angelo Dawkins is getting over enough. Yeah. And he's definitely good in the ring. And he's, it's just about getting him over that breaking them apart will not affect him, especially if you put him in a mid card title program. You know, I could see him being U.S. champion, intercontinental champion. And Montez is going to go to the top of the tier eventually. I guarantee within the next, I'm, I'm going to say it on the show, I guarantee within the next three years, Montez Ford is holding the WWE title, whatever the, the big belt is. Whether mm-hmm. we still have a universal and a WWE title, whatever belt, it doesn't matter. He's going to be holding the top tier title in World Wrestling Entertainment in the next three years. So I think we're going to start to see that decline. So I don't see him winning at Mania because, that, although, if you want a real quick title shot for a team that's contender, they're also a contender there. But I think this is the Viking Raiders to lose. Padawan J. Uh, Ken, who is Liz Bailey's favorite wrestler? Braun Strowman. Uh, for fear of sleeping on the couch tonight, I'm going to say Braun Strowman and Ricochet. <laughs> good, good, good answer. I'm, I'm going to stick with Braun Strowman and Ricochet because I don't want to sleep on the couch tonight. Good answer. But I can see them winning too. I mean, once again, it's a team that I would build up because yeah. they're going to get lost in the shuffle of the, uh, the singles division, and they're a good tag team. They're entertaining. That finisher they've got where Braun Strowman stands there and then Ricochet stands on his shoulders is the fucking nuttiest thing I've seen in a while. Right. That's why I'm saying keep them together. Let's push them because, like I said, we're hearing rumors that after Mania, one of the top on the bracket is revitalizing the tag division. We're going to need another tag team, and I think that they're an entertaining one. Ken, your picks. I'm going with you, uh, Rich, about the Viking Raiders. I think with Kevin and Sammy winning – this is going to have number one contendership written all over it. I don't think they're going to pull the the uh, string there about separating the Street Profits. I don't think they're going to... Uh, they're not going to do it at Mania. No, no, they're not going to do that. But I think what they're going to do is have a heel team win and be the first program for Kevin and Sammy. Good smart. And that's what I think is the big thing with the Viking Raiders. Because I know FTR is still wrestling as of Wednesday, April 5th. So, obviously, any talk of them, if they were going to be coming over. Well, their contracts aren't up until April 20th. Right. So, therefore, they have said they made the decision, but they're not making it public. We will not know until probably their match with the guns. Right. Because, obviously, if they lose that match, 
I would highly anticipate them going to World Wrestling Entertainment. If they win that match, they're staying mm-hmm. in AEW. Um, we're not going to speak too much on that because it's not part of this, but it will shape where they go for the tag titles. Also, you got to remember, they might try to break the titles apart again. Yeah. yeah. Because that's what the rumor is for both, is that especially selling TV deals, they want to start breaking the belts back apart. I, it was a cool idea because of the bloodline. Let's break them apart. So there's always a possibility that with the new champs, they could be like, okay, we're keeping, you know, uh, I, I think that Sammy and... Uh, um, Kevin will be on SmackDown. So if you have the Viking Raiders win and you split the belts apart, those guys will fight them on SmackDown. And then you could have a tournament for the Raw tag titles as well. However, they're going to do it. I don't know. Right. But eventually, I think those belts are coming apart, especially because TV rights deals are coming up. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that happening. That's why I think the Viking Raiders could, because like I say, I don't think they're going to pull the string and just unravel everything with the Street Profits oh, not, just yet. Not, not at Mania. I not at this Mania. Year. It yeah, be, yeah. It's going to be later because, in the year. Because the only other option that could happen is, okay, Street Profits win at Mania. They have a big send-off, and then they go challenge for the belts and lose, and then that's what causes it. Well, I think I think we're going to see cracks. I think that the crack, well, the first crack might happen at Mania. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a miscue, and that's why they don't win the showcase match. And then eventually they get a shot at maybe maybe if you do a tournament, they make it to the finals, and there's another miscue, yeah. and they don't win the tag titles. Somebody else wins the tag titles, and then they challenge for the tag titles. I think it's going to be a, a, a step of miscues, which they kind of had already started. Yeah. And they, in the, you know, especially when people are calling them out in singles fashion, and the fact that Montez was in the elimination chamber in mm-hmm. a singles position, right. wore singles wrestler gear, he didn't wear street profit gear. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of that going on, and that's why I said I think Tez, even though everybody loves him, I think he can make a good, good heel. Yeah. And I think what he's going to do is he's going to be the one because he got a taste of what it was like to be the center of attention in the elimination chamber with all his highlights. He's going to then go, hey, I don't need you. Yeah, I want to be world champion, and I want to be the guy. I think if any team unravels uh, if after this match, it's going to be Alpha Academy, just because you, oh, yeah. you think back to they had the the t- tag team match on Monday Night Raw was the heels versus the faces, you know. So it was Strowman, Ricochet, and the Profits going up against Alpha Academy and the Viking Raiders, and the heels lost, and and Otis lost, or excuse me, Otis lost. And they cut to the backstage camera of Maxine Dupree watching the match, and she did not look happy. Mm-hmm. So I think no matter who wins this match, I think it's going to be Alpha Academy eating the pin because of distraction, whatever mm-hmm. whatever it is. And Maxine Dupree's not going to be thrilled, and that's where they're going to split up. Alpha Academy and Otis is going to go full-blown with Maxim Male Models. I Which works. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. So let's move on to the match that I don't give a shit about on this card, the piss break match, in my opinion. Sorry if you guys are looking forward to it, but we'll break it down because we have to. And that, of course, is Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. They have been building the story for a while. Some would say, including myself, too long. And the reason I say that is I think that they should have pulled the trigger a lot sooner than they did. Yes. Uh, waiting to see, like, how much more did he have to disrespect his father before his father punches him? As a father myself, listen, you love your kids, but if my kid did half the shit he did, I'm punching him in the mouth. And I think that that's how most people are. So, like, you could say, oh, we were happy, and the, there was the pop, obviously, when he did it. The views are out, the, the wahoo, millions and millions of views of that clip because people want to see Dominic Mysterio get punched in the mouth. However... I think that they did wait too long. I think that they should have been building this more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think back to, speaking of a better way to book this, I think back to Bret Hart versus Owen Hart at WrestleMania 10. Mm. And, you know, I'm not going to fight my brother. I'm not going to fight my brother. I refuse to fight my brother. Then the Royal Rumble happens, and he kicks his knee out of his knee. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. the, the faux pas, but still. And then after that, still Bret, I'm not going to fight my brother. And then his brother insults his mother. And that's it. 
That's the straw. And we had that, we had a full month of Brett then giving visceral, visceral fucking promos about not only am I getting a title shot this night, but I'm going to take my brother out first. So, and then we had a tremendous match, one of the best matches in WrestleMania history as the opening contest of WrestleMania 10 between Brett and Owen, where Owen wins. And speaking of great storytelling, I know we're getting off track, but Owen wins. And then at the end of the night, last match of the night, you have Brett Hart become world champion yep. and Owen Hart just seething from the, in the, uh, in the shadow, way. in the shadows, yep. literally in his brother's shadow, <laughs> seething. I won. I beat my brother, the highest of highs. Remember the promo he cut that night? Mm-hmm. I proved it. I knew I was better than you, Brett. But at the end of the night, Brett's on everybody's shoulder. And I remember Macho Man Randy Savage holding the rope open for Owen Hart to come on in. And he's just seething in the shadows. And I thought it was a great thing. And that's why I said, I'm kind of comparing this bloodline thing to that. I Mm -hmm. think there's a lot of elements that are going to work out where we're going to see the end of the night, beginning of the night, and the story continue throughout the night until we get to the main event we talk about later. I I don't know. But I personally think... Man, as much as I don't want to say this, I think Dominic Mysterio is winning. Pad, who do you got? I know I said, for ODPH listeners, I know I said last week uh, on the sports show that, like, oh, this is a great card. I can't find one match. I'd, I'd get up from <laughs> go take a bathroom break or get a food break. Uh, I think I found my match. Uh, listen, this matchup should be fine. You know, it's, it's two wrestlers who I don't really get up for. I'm, it's cool to see Ray. You know, Dominic is, well, Dominic. You know, but I I don't care what happens with this match. There's nothing on the end of this that like has my interest. Like, oh, what's going to happen if this happens or that happens? You know, it's going to be a match. Things are going to happen. The only way I'll give a shit about this match, and I had this thought today, is if Dominic comes out to Eddie Guerrero's music just for fucking shits and giggles. You know, I don't think it'll happen, but like, I just don't care for this match. In a perfect world. In a perfect world, the only way I'd give a shit about this match, I'm going to take it a step further. And I know it can't happen because contractual obligations, and I know that the person wishes that they didn't have said contractual, and it's not because they're unhappy. I just want to point out that they've have mentioned in the media recently that, hey, if I didn't have these, this is a storyline I would have liked to be a part of, Vicky Guerrero. I thought she was released. Yeah, I thought she was a free agent. I don't think she is. I think she is still technically under contract because she said so. Maybe she's blowing it off, and maybe we'll see that. Yeah. But the only way I'm interested is Vicky Guerrero costs Ray Mysterio the match. But she has said recently, that she that that is one of her biggest regrets is she couldn't be there for this feud because she thought that this would be perfect to add herself into and i i actually wholeheartedly agree with it as the fact that you could really go back on the eddie guerrero storyline with vicky yeah i I, i'm pretty sure like i know pad's looking up to see if she's uh still on contract with AEW. as far as i know right right but once again they're not a publicly traded company so they don't have to say when no but i thought she she came out and said she was done with them so that's Uh, why she's off tv so according to an article from the folks over at Fightful.com, uh, the headline on this, Vicky Guerrero, I'll be leaving AEW after July. Okay, so okay, she's so just off there. TV. Okay, so, so she... her contract's till July, but she's off TV. Okay. Um, well, that said, do we have to talk about this match, or can we just talk about the Hall of Fame inductions? Let's you know... Okay, let's talk about that real quick. I, I'm glad you brought it up, because this is a happier time. We do need your pick, though, for before we can go. Well, this will be match two of night two. <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully if they do start the, the card, well, hold, hopefully if they start the card, if the, if the tag match is the main event night one, the tag match is the, the kickoff, I'm happy about it because yeah. then I can come down from it and not care. Yeah. We'll just be talking about the tag match. By the way, I don't think I said it. It's probably going to be Dominic. Yeah, sorry. So I think we're probably all agreeing that shit, right? No, I'm going to say Ray because I can't do it. I, can't, I, I don't care. I, I will throw my perfect bracket out the window. Listen, I'm, I'm, let's be honest. We've talked about this at nauseum on both 607 TWS and ODPH. 
Dom is not ready for prime time. Nope. Oh, hell no. No. Nope. And I understand that he has a certain audience that watches him, you know, because they think he's funny or the the gimmick he's doing with Rhea is, is, is over in some people's minds. Sure. Okay. Do you, if that's, if that works for you, <laughs> that is your time, not mine. Okay. What am I going to be doing this? I'm probably going to be plugging everybody's podcast during <laughs> this match. As much as I'm a, I love Ray Mysterio. This match does nothing for me. I'm going to say Ray wins because of reasons. Because I don't want to have to sit there and see Dominic celebrate at WrestleMania because I'm sorry, he's just not ready for primetime. He needs to go to NXT. That said, all right, let's talk about the okay, Hall of let's, Fame. Let's talk about it real quick. Friday night, of course, before either night of WrestleMania, taking a step back, I was waiting until this anyways, we have the 2023 WWE Hall of Fame induction ceremony. And I'm going to be the first to say, I, I like this list of people. Mm-hmm. However, I think this is one of the weaker lists of people. Nothing against anybody on it. Right. But usually we've been spoiled in the past decade or so with one gigantic name after another gigantic name going in. And now that I'm assuming the, the, the biggest name on this on this Hall of Fame is Rey Mysterio. Yep. Yes. I'm assuming he is your headliner because we always talk about the headliner. I'm, I'm assuming, obviously I know the list, but I'm assuming Rey Mysterio is your headliner. Yes. So with that being said, and I love that Rey Mysterio is going in. It's amazing. I love the fact that he is the only other performer, the only other performer who went in the night before a possible final match was, of course, Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. I think that that is also pretty awesome as well. So I, when you're put in that same category, however, let's talk about uh, the latest inductee or named inductee was Stacy Keebler. That just came down out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of surprising. Yeah. I get it. She's done some TV and movies. It's, it goes Hollywood. I think that they were still hoping that Batista was going to be a part of it, but unfortunately, he is filming a movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he is not, and he refuses to be put in the Hall of Fame if he can't speak. And not because he doesn't want to be in the Hall of Fame. Right. He just thinks that he owes the fans him accepting. And I love Perfect that about sense. Big Dave. Yep. So, unfortunately, maybe next year, we're eventually going to get Big Dave in. Yeah. But he just wants to be there to give the flowers, not for himself, but to the WWE universe, if you will. Uh, also on this list, and I know it was baffling that he, it was baffling to me that this person wasn't already in in the yeah. celebrity wing. Think, Andy Kaufman, I think that goes for everybody. Yeah, I thought he was, should have already been in, but Andy Kaufman is finally getting his due. It is cool that it's in Hollywood because, of course, big time uh, film actor comedian. And of course, if you don't know the story between him and Jerry Lawler in Memphis wrestling, oh my God, take the time out. There's some really great documentaries about Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Look on YouTube. Just type in Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler. Also, I do believe there's one of the documentaries is on uh, WBD. I can't remember if it's on Discovery Plus or HBO Max, but they have uh, this documentary just about his wrestling. Uh, which is amazing. The, he went down there, was the intergender champion, yep. made fun of uh, the people from Memphis and said they were stupid and dirty. You know, this is a bar of soap. You use this to wash yourself so you don't stink the way you do. Like shit like that. And of course, Jerry Lawler, the biggest star that's ever come out of Memphis, gets his hands on him, gives him the pile driver yeah. after it was outlawed, breaks his neck. And of course, Andy Kaufman, because he's his genius of comedy was to rib everybody anyways. It sells it like he's fucking got a real broken neck. Mm-hmm. Like to Hollywood, like canceled fucking movies he was supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, the Letterman shows. show. Yeah, because he had a broken neck. And it's just crazy. But this is the coming from the same man who uh, people would come to see his comedy routine and he would read The Great Gatsby. Yeah. In its entirety. 
I mean, <laughs> we're, we're talking Andy Kaufman, special human. Yeah, I was going to say the movie with Jim Carrey playing him, Man yeah. on the Moon. Check it Definitely out. Definitely worth a, checking it's out. It's a great thing to check out, but if you really want just to see the wrestling yeah, stuff. Yeah, the wrestling stuff, is it, it, it's it's part of history for a reason. It's amazing. So I can't believe he wasn't in there already. And uh, who was I missing for the Hall of Fame this year? Uh, the Great Muda. Yes, the Great Muda. I wasn't missing him. I just wanted to hear that name. But, yes, Great Mood is going in. I know uh, we had speculated that this was going to be a thing when they sent Nakamura over. And mm-hmm. I guess that was the deal. Uh, great Muda yeah. for Nakamura coming over. Yeah. And uh, Muda's I guess, is going to be there to, in, to accept. Yes. So that's amazing. So we're going to get to see the Great Muda on a WWE stage, which he's never, to my knowledge, wrestled in World Wrestling Entertainment. There was a couple Japanese shows that the WWF did back in the day right. that he did wrestle on. But, but never... he's never wrestled on a, like, a W, you know, since it's become... What WWE, it yeah, yeah. He did wrestle on some Japanese shows for them. I'm pretty sure of it. Uh, but nothing on a major show. Yeah, no, I'm looking at his profile DB page, and it does let you search by promotion. WWE, not there. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I said, there was a couple Japanese shows, but they weren't strictly WWF shows right. that he did work. I know that for a fact. However, yeah. uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but he did work for WCW, which was also owned by WWE now, as we all know. So we have that whole back catalog. Of course, in a perfect world, Sting would be inducting him. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's going to be Ric Flair. And Probably. Uh, however, you never know. Listen, we've seen a lot of other miracles. Maybe maybe yeah. there's a backdoor deal where yeah. Tony Khan said, hey, if Sting wants to do it, we'll lend you Sting. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Who knows? I'm not saying it's going to happen, yeah. but as of right now, there's nobody inducting him. And uh, is there anybody else that they given any of the legacy people yet or no? No. Uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. So the ones we mentioned are the only ones listed. I'm sure the legacy ones will come out night of. You know, there's no Warrior Award listed, uh, which I think after last year, might it might be taking a night, a night off or a year off just because they gave it to Shag Gaspard last year, which given uh, what happened with Shag Gaspard, unfortunately, hard to give it to somebody else after that last year. And listen, if this is the route they go, with it for the future i'm all right with this just because and i can't take credit for this somebody pointed this out online if they start going a little leaner with with the number of folks they're putting in there they're not going to run out of folks in a couple of years or, or another 10 years or 15 years where we're starting to stretch and reach for some folks where it's like yeah do they really deserve it they can kind of beware they can they can they can stretch this out and really not put start putting some folks in there that have us sitting here scratching our our chins going eh, I don't know about that I like that idea as well and also it gives them more time because yeah. what we learned from Hillbilly Jim is that you give a wrestler a microphone and they not they don't necessarily shut up also uh, I, I remember we we had timers after Hillbilly Jim and then unfortunately the same year Mr T yeah and they rambled on for quite a while so you can ramble a little more when they're smaller mouths but they usually do a legacy which we'll find out because usually they go back in the annals of time where most people who are alive don't remember and then put some of those legacy uh, uh, wrestlers in there, which is deserved upon. Yeah. So that usually is night of the show anyways. And, you know, the in memoriam and stuff. It's always a great show to watch. I love watching the Hall of Fame. And, and I'm not saying that this class is terrible. So don't take it. But I'm just saying we've been spoiled as fans to have like yeah. this big, gigantic headliner for years. Cool. And, and our big headliner is Rey Mysterio, which. By the way, first ballot Hall of Famer, there is no denying his importance to wrestling and the fact that he fucking deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. However, when you put him up against, you know, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, you know, it seems like, ooh, that's a that's a that's a high bar. But you know the thing too is the Hall of Fame was always a Vince thing. And yeah. he really like that was a, a that was a big thing for him. Not saying that it's not important to Triple H. I was gonna say, although it is a Triple H thing, because remember the only reason Bruno San Martino won the Hall of Fame was Triple H. Right, but I think that for what Triple H wants to do with it is less is more and really give a focus, like making the class feel more important. Hmm. And I think that the people that they really wanted lined up for this year, like The Rock and Batista, and it didn't happen because of reason. Well, The Rock is in. 
Yeah. Oh, that's right. The Rock. The Rock is, is in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But uh, Batista didn't happen. Uh, Batista was going to be the headliner. Let's be honest. However, movie. He's, he's yeah. Movie. So I think it was going to be. We were going to have a fifth, and it would have been Batista and Rey Mysterio headlining, and then. Once again, now we're in yeah. Now you're in the there. right area. Yeah, you know, because I, I think just when you have just one, and I mean, I love the Great Muda. Let's be honest. If you have listened to this program, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're listening for the first time in the ODPH to six oh seven TWS, you should listen more because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Ken M's there as well. Yeah, uh, so we have a lot of fun. But uh, if you if you're listening to six oh seven TWS, you know that I'm a huge New, New Japan and Japanese wrestling mark, and I'm a huge Great Muda mark. So like, I'm super over the moon about Muda going in and accepting. However. I'm just looking at it as a wrestling fan. And what other wrestling fans? Like I said, I have no problems. I think everybody going in deserves to be in. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kaufman should have already been in the celebrity wing. Uh, I, over a lot of people who are in that celebrity yes, wing. Yes, agreed. Uh, so about fucking time is what I'm going to say there. Muda deserves to be in all day. I don't care that he didn't work for WWF or WWE. He did work for WCW, and he's a legend mm-hmm. of professional wrestling. Just like Antonio Noki's in the WWE Hall of Fame. As he should be. Yeah. Uh, I think if it doesn't matter where you work, I think if you're you reach the top, they can give you that honor. It's the biggest company. Mm. Take the fucking honor. Uh, next up, Rey Mysterio deserves first ballot, and I think Stacey Keebler deserves. But yeah. The year she was in, whether it's for managing and even uh, the wrestling, I mean, her wrestling ability might not be of that of a Trish Stratus or of uh, a woman wrestler of today. No, but, but those were the lean years of fucking women's wrestling, where women's wrestling was kind of like the bastardized child of wrestling, mm-hmm. and still somehow she became one of the focal points. I mean, remember she was the uh, manager for the Dudleys. Yep. And they won tag team championships. She managed Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner, if you don't remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She managed the late great test. Yep. You know, so I mean she's she's done a lot in this business. Oh, absolutely. No, she's definitely a, a of course worthy, she was Mrs. Worthy Hancock rookie. first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> anyway, so like let's not get off track, but yes, the Hall of Fame does go down on Friday night. And that is where I'm most looking to go to Ray Mysterio. Uh Pat, I'm gonna set you up lovely here because it's, since it's your turn on the round table, I'm giving you something you can really sink your teeth in too, because it is the other judgment day match on this card. Yes. And that of course is the hell in a cell match between the rated R superstar Edge and the Demon Finn Balor made official on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, uh, I will say before we dive in, I did take a little. I have a little problem with it. Okay, and the problem I have is that I think they should have left it to be surprised. Uh, once again, be- worst kept secret because it was, mm-hmm. but they should have just continued to do the innuendos. Yeah, and never put it in writing that it was going to be the demon. I think you should have showed up at the night. And how much would the crowd have popped if you started the original music and then the music cues down and you go into this new music mm-hmm. and the demon comes out? I think the crowd would have – I mean, they're going to pop, but I think they would have popped more if they didn't fully anticipate it. I'm not saying don't tease it, but if they didn't fully anticipate it. And unfortunately, I think that that is just my take on it. I'm not upset about the match. just want to get it out of the way. I just think that there's a booking mistake I'm – I think it happened. But this has been a great storyline that's been built up over a year. Edge started the Judgment Day. Judgment Day turns on Edge and then has Finn Balor as their their leader. And since then, they've done everything they can to just fuck with Edge. Yeah. yeah. And so now Edge gets uh, Finn one-on-one inside a steel cage. Well, in hell is hell, not even a steel cage. We yeah. got a roof on this bitch. Yeah. I mean, we know they're going to get outside of it because they always do. Mm-hmm. But at, at the seemingly, it's to keep Judgment Day out for one-on-one. Let's end this feud. Let's end it with a big blow-off. Pad, who you got winning? What's your thoughts about the match? The entrances for this match are going to be insane because not only are we getting Demon Finn Balor back for the first time in a couple of years, but also there are rumors and allegedly and reports that uh, Edge's entrance might be a little, uh, well, brooding. If I, uh, Dude, if they bring back Gangrel, I'll be fucking 
amped. I'm not even joking. There's if, a, if, if, if Gangrel comes to the, like, they've done the brood entrance before, yeah. but if Gangrel actually come, brings the edge to the ring, like the, unleashes him, if you will, yeah. that'll be fucking awesome. There are rumors that Gangrel will be there for the edge entrance. Dude, I know some of the younger listeners aren't marking out, but I will fucking mark out if Gangrel unleashes edge, if you will, at, at fucking mania. Cause you know, you got, you got the demon versus if he comes to the ring, like he said, the man that we all know is the devil himself. Mm-hmm. But no, this this match should be awesome. You know, uh, reports also come, come out today that it will not be a red cell as it has been in the last couple of Praise years. Praise Jesus. Uh, because, hey, they're currently building the setup for the uh, show, uh, if you look at some of the photos and videos online. And according to reports, the cell is currently sitting above the stadium. Uh, up in the air uh, as currently. So folks have seen it. It's not red. So thank God. Uh, but no, this match should be awesome. I think it's ultimately going to go down to Finn Balor just because, like I said earlier, I think Rhea's going to win. The women's belt judgment day is going to go to uh, SmackDown. And so if, if Edge is staying on Monday Night Raw, why have Edge win this? He, he's a Hall of Famer. He's said before uh, that he doesn't have much time left. You know, So give Finn the rub. At WrestleMania and let him get a WrestleMania win against Edge. All right, Ken. Well, here we are. The feud that Edge created and now has to finally bury because he is the creator of the Judgment Day. He elevated the status of Finn Balor and Damian Priest and Ray Ripley, who at the time weren't really doing a lot on the main roster. Say what you will about the Judgment Day, but I think they've ran their course. And with Edge now heading into what is presumably the final run of his career, I think he's going to want to pull out all the stops for this. And the rumor about Gangrel being there, I'm not doubting Christian Cage, possibly too, depending on, you know. Well, just Christian in this case. Or Christian, yeah. But, <laughs> well, you know, yes, we know what you're talking about. Yeah. To see the reunited brood one last time, I think would be a, a big moment that I think Triple H would want to push for. I'm gonna mark like a little child. I'll just I'll just forewarn you guys. So if it's on Sunday when I'll be at the ODPH do, uh, dungeon, if you will, watching the event, and not when I'm out of town the day before, uh, uh, you'll see me mark like a little kid. Yeah, but like I think that that's something they want to do, and especially with with Edge, you know, really hinting that this is going to be the final run. I think he's going to pull out all the stops for this. I don't know what exactly is going to go on in the match. I mean, I could definitely see somebody's going to do something crazy. Not saying it's going to be Edge or Finn, but some something's going to happen. I'm going to say it's going to be Edge. Yeah, <laughs> just because probably just because he's known to do that in these matches, right? So, like, you know, if he decides to, you know, spear Dominic Mysterio off the top of the cage through a table or something, you know, maybe something a little, maybe that not that crazy, but don't get me in trouble here. Yeah, <laughs> don't don't set it up to get me in trouble. I'm just throwing it out to you. <laughs> I mean, listen, you know Christian is putting thoughts in his, in his head about what he should do. Yeah. Well, that's what I say. Like, he's going to do something really crazy. Like I say, he's going to hit him with that or the execution off the top. You know, like, he'll do something really crazy to make that memorable pop in the crowd. And I think for him, he's going to win, and he's going to end the Judgment Day once and for all because I fully think after Mania they're done in this circumstance. Yeah, they could go on and still be something like the feud you were alluding to earlier about, you know, uh, Legato del Fantasma. Del Fantasma, yeah. They could do that, and I think that'd be great. Or I could see them just reshuffling the deck a little bit, like Rhea takes off, and it, it's now she takes Dominic with them because of reasons, and they'll get a new member. Maybe somebody coming up from NXT. Maybe a Cameron Grimes. Who, who we heard are the, the repackaging. Yes. So if he's now the third member and they want to go somewhere else with the with the team, 
then that's fine. But I think the Judgment Day ends here, but the Finn faction will still carry on. But I think it's finally done. You know, we could also see there's a lot of those reports. Okay, according if a uh, uh, Switchblade Jay White shows up of some kind of bullet club in WWE. Yeah, and I've always pitched it. It's easy. You just call them the NWO because it's really what the Bullet Club kind of half-ass was based on, as we all know. So WWE owns the race to NWO. So you could have Finn Balor. You could have the club, respectively, AJ Styles. You know, you know all the members that you have Jay White come in. And then, of course, you could add some new blood to it and do a real NWO, which could, if done well, could be your next bloodline story for the next year or two. Do it on at both least, shows. Yeah, at least, at, yes, that's my point. I'm not saying get it to the point where it was WCW. Right. But I think, yes, and people are like, well, the Bullet Club's ran its course. Yeah, but it's not been done in WWE. Mm-hmm. And if they do it right and they bring back the NWO for it and they do it right, don't water it down, have it go. You could definitely squeeze some time out of it. Because think about it, war games with the NWO versus Team WWE. War games. Oh. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm just saying. I'm just throwing these out there. But anyways, let's get back to the match at hand. Uh, this is going to be under the feud. This is going to be the definition of a blow-off match. This is it. Uh, with that being said, I'm expecting both of these gentlemen to have great entrances. I really do hope the brood thing happens with Edge because I'll mark out. And we know whenever the demon comes, there's this big grand entrance. So WrestleMania is the perfect time for all of this. Now, the match itself, I'm going to tell you, if since it's a blow-off match, I think Edge is going to win. The reason why is because I don't think it hurts Finn that much to lose, especially if they're going on to have a feud with Finn, you know, Legato del Fantasma or whatever the fuck they're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Edge, he we know he's finishing up. He he has said basically the end of uh, August, September, I think that the rumor has it they're even trying to make sure that they're, the September pay-per-view is actually in Toronto because he wants to finish up in Toronto. And usually they go to Toronto around uh, August, September-ish anyways. Yes. Mm-hmm. Of course, we already know SummerSlam is, is coming from Detroit, Michigan and the uh, Ford Field, so gigantic stadium. So they're not going to move that. However, if you do it in Toronto, the next pay-per-view, that could be Edge's swan song, which is fine. I think in between now and then, you got to get him there. And I think that there's definitely a title shot involved. I think I don't think he's going to become champion, but I think finishing up his career, one last title shot, whether it's against Roman Cody, doesn't matter. I do believe that he's, we're going to have a, a pay-per-view edge versus one of them. So winning a Hell in a Cell this high profile could actually make that happen at a backlash or the pay-per-view after backlash. So, therefore, we have edge versus whoever the champion is. And if I'm not mistaking, one of the, you know you could even do it in Saudi at the King and Queen of the Ring right. because that would make perfect sense. Uh, they love older wrestlers like Edge. Perfect sense for him to get a title shot on a show where it does mean something, but you know it would be a great match. Uh, regardless, you, you do it mutual – uh, respect like him versus Cody, or you could do heel versus face if Roman is still champion. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's what they might do with Edge. Because if it's the final tour, the ba- wave of your baseball cap, why not give him one last title shot and then just set into some programs and just basically give the, the victory tour. And of course, rumor has it, and we, we, you know, we're not going to talk about it, that you know, Christian is done in AEW, so there's a possibility he shows up. There's a possibility that if the FTR comes in, you know, there's, there's a possibility of other SummerSlam or that September show. You could have FTR, or as they'll be known in WWE, The Revival, versus uh, Edge and Christian in uh, in one of the final matches. And it makes all the sense in the world. The two best friends versus the two kids that both of those guys have helped and have in return helped Edge when he was coming back from injury, even when they were in AEW. So it makes a lot of sense, folks. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's just a possibility that is on the docket. Next up, uh, because we only got a couple more, 
And then uh, we can do a little bit of speculation. Next up is the triple threat match for the WWE Intercontinental Championship. This match could steal the show, ladies and gentlemen. Your champion, Gunther, defending against Sheamus and Drew McIntyre. And I love the way we got here. Although part of me was a little upset because it kind of made Gunther look like a bitch a little bit. Yeah. Especially after being in the Royal Rumble, the second in, and going to the end and being eliminated by Cody. I'm not saying that this is pushing him down the card. I still fully think... And I've said it before, I'll say it again. If Cody walks out of Mania champion, I fully think Gunther versus Cody Rhodes will be the main event of SummerSlam. I'm not joking. I think that is the plan Mm -hmm. if that happens. However, here at Mania, I just didn't like that part of the bill where he's like, I only want one. And then he was forced to fight both, which is fine. The rumor rumor was this was the idea of all along. And I'm fine with that. So, Ken, you get to go first. Let's break down the match and your pick. So, Gunther is going to be your number one contender by SummerSlam for the world title, whatever brand he's on. His run with the Intercontinental title has really elevated the stock with that belt and really brought some prestige back to the WWE Universe that really forgot about it, to be honest with you, because the mid-card titles had really become passe, if you will. Giving Drew McIntyre and Sheamus this feud to go into is a really smart one because Drew is a main event player, so is Sheamus. They are kind of in that situation you can plug and play, and wins and losses don't really matter with them. This is going to elevate the title, but I have a suspicion, if you will. This is going to be made until Fatal 4-Way. This is going to be coming off of the heels of the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, Mm. where one Bobby Lashley is going to win and say, I'm the Andre the Giant Battle Royal winner. I want to get a title shot. I'm cashing in here and try forcing his way into the matchmaking in a fatal four-way. So you got got Bobby Lashley taking it? Okay. I'm going to have Bobby Lashley taking the belt in the ultimate swerve. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you an out though cuz I think this is fair. I like that pick. Get the Hail Mary in there, but if he doesn't get involved, who do you pick out of the three? I I'll take uh Drew Mack. So I want you on record for both. Just because yes. I, you know, I love taking the big swings, but yes. let's and I love your idea cuz that's a great idea. Yeah, because obviously not to speculate, like whatever was going on with the Bray Wyatt match, like that is that is off. Yes, that, because it was uh, shown that Bobby Lashley. Well, was, if you saw the picture of that man's finger, yeah, that allegedly is the injury that put him out. Yeah. I have never seen a finger bend both ways at the same time. Yeah, so yeah. It, it, it it makes sense that it's off. So, but uh, they, of course, if you listen to the internet, it's because Vince is back and he doesn't like the creative direction. You know, we got a lot of idiots screaming about that, and when there's literally a picture of his finger that looks disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> that that's the whole point with that. So it's just like if Bobby wants to get in there, and I think that he deserves a profile match at Mania. I, like, I'm actually kind of fired up that he's only in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. But if he wins it and says like, "Hey, I won this. I'm a former world champion. I want to be in a big match," and forces his way into it, that's the way I think they should do it. And I think it would make a lot of sense. And then that way you can kind of extend that feud, whatever you want to do with Bobby Lashley moving forward. Him and Gunther would be an amazing feud going into uh, SummerSlam season. But I, if they don't do this because you know they want to keep the things as they are, then it's going to be Drew McIntyre. I, I hope I hope Bobby gets his flowers either way. Yeah, I, I, I will say that. Um, I love that idea though; it's great. Let's just talk. I'm just going to talk about the match at hand here. I'm looking at this match and I'm going, man, I'm going to be a fan. Because I can see any as a booker, I can book any of these guys to win this match. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if I'm if I'm breaking it down from a booker's analogy, I have so many great matchups with that. If Gunther, if Gunther keeps the title, 
you know, we can still plug him against a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. He's been a great champion, but he's held the belt a long time. Also, you know, I hear that everybody, let's hold on to it because then he beats Honky, you talk man's uh, record. And I'm like, okay, listen, you guys got to understand. Sometimes breaking records, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying he's sour. If he if he keeps the belt and he breaks the record, that's fucking awesome. That's sure. great. It's not going to hurt anything. However, I think we need to start gearing him towards the main event scene. So I really think Mania is a good time to switch the title. Drew Mack, one of your top faces in the company. I mean, who he's one of the guys that's most over in this company. He deserves to be a champion. He's always in the picture. He's a plug-and-play guy. We talk about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you got Sheamus. Sheamus, who has caught fire like so many times in his career. Sheamus is the guy that we all forget about it from time to time. And it's not because he's not good. He's great. He's a Hall of Famer. I, I'm going to say it right here. Mm-hmm. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. When his time comes, he is a Hall of Famer. Nobody's going to complain. Because he has done so much in this business. And he has done so much good business. And yeah, maybe he was pushed a little too soon for some people. But he definitely proved it later on. And he goes through the phases. I mean, whether it's, whether it's you know, Celtic Warrior. Whether it's the Babyface Sheamus. Whether it's the Bar. Whether, whatever you got. Brawling Brutes right now. Whatever you got, he's always stepping up to the plate. He is literally the modern Chris Jericho in mm-hmm. the sense that he's gotten every single gimmick he's been in over. Exactly. He's, he reinvents himself. And that's why we get these periods where we're like, Oh shit, I forgot about Seamus. And we had forgotten about Seamus until his match with Gunther. Mm-hmm. And that match was phenomenal. Yes. And then it came up and we've all heard it. It came up that the only title that Seamus has never held in his entire stay in the in world wrestling entertainment is the intercontinental championship. It's the only belt that eludes him from having the entire collection. And that's why I'm going to be one of those story guys who wants to get the, the send-off for Sheamus. And I'm not saying he's retiring anytime soon, but I want to make sure he gets this belt, whether he has a long run or not. I think Sheamus walks out Intercontinental Champion. Let's give him the dream. Let's make it happen. I mean, we made it happen for Matt Cardona all those years ago. True. Right? True. Let's make it happen for Sheamus. And that's going to be a feel-good story because we – I, I don't think Mania is supposed to be full of feel-good stories, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a, one of the first ones that could fall that we were like, this is a feel-good story. Obviously, the tag title matches are going to be a feel-good story. The world title match, which we're going to be talking about next, I think this is another one. And it's going to be, no matter what, this is going to be possibly the match that steals the, the whole weekend. Because I guarantee these three guys are going to beat the piss out of each other. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, Pad, you're up. Uh, th- listen, this match is not going to be for the faint of heart. Uh, those of you with weak constitutions might want to avert your eyes. This is going to be hard hitting. There are going to be some stiff shots in here. That said, I think it's ultimately going to be Sheamus at the end of the day. Uh, but I don't think Gunther is going to go on to challenge Cody for the the main the main belt. I'll get to that in a little bit. Who I think might. Uh, but no, I agree with you. Listen, it's it's going to be a good send off for she- it's going to be a good send off, you know, to the next pay per view for Sheamus. I think ultimately Gunther will face him a couple more times, you know, because listen, they've only they've only had the one match between the two as of this recording, you know, so they'll have probably one more match after this is the rubber match. Finally, decide who's got the better of them, and then they go from there. Absolutely, man. This is going to be one of the great matches in WrestleMania, probably in history, not just for this event. Yeah. Now let's talk about it. It's the main event. It's the match that's closing. We know it. The main event of night two, the last match we'll see, and it's for all the marbles because it is for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Your champion, the head of the table, the tribal chief, the big dog, Roman Reigns, defending the championship against your 2023 Royal Rumble winner, Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare. And uh, let's just talk about, listen, I, I'm going to stay away from the bloodline because we've already talked ad nauseum about the bloodline storyline. So all that, all that fucking applies. Let's talk about just these two. 
Because, I mean, if you guys want to add in things, because you're going to have to add in, but we all know the bloodline story. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the story that these two have built in the past couple months. And really giving the respect to Sami Zayn and that story, we got it a little more condensed. However, the fact that both of these guys are delivering top tier on the microphone for a feud is amazing. Mm-hmm. And you got to say they both have delivered. I mean, we've talked about it. Roman Reigns. You know, when Cody Rhodes has the first promo against Roman Reigns and he basically tells Roman, you know, you know, this is how I see it. Roman rebuttals and gives him the what Paul Heyman had given him before about, you know, him, you know, your father wished that I was his kid. And then, of course, we have the rebuttal from from Cody going, oh, I see. It isn't just Paul making this up. You believe this. So right now, it's one of Dusty's kids thinking he can beat Dusty's actual kid. Mm. So now it changes everything. Now I have to beat you at WrestleMania. Now I need to take those titles from you to prove that you're absolutely wrong, kid. And the look on Roman's face as he walks away, like, man, my plan fucking backfired. As he's looking at the ring, smiling at Cody and waving, and turns around and it's that look of like, oh, fuck. I swung and I missed. And then we got to recalculate. We got to come back at it. And then we get the great promo that went down, what, it was a week ago now, Mm -hmm. where you have Roman come out and say, hey, you know, you couldn't get over here as Stardust, so you ran away. And then you couldn't get over in a company that you helped create, so you ran away from there too. To your credit, you got over when you came back. However, your real story starts on April the 3rd when you wake up and you realize you couldn't get the job done. And you're going to do what you do as you always do. You're going to run away like a little bitch. But I love the second part. Everybody's played that part and forgot that the Cody Rhodes rebuttal Mm -hmm. is really where the story's at. Because Cody Rhodes says, you're right. I ran. I did. I ran away. And and you know what? Because I was nervous and scared that I didn't have it. But while I was gone, (laughs) I made, with with my choices, I made 100% better financially for all wrestlers. Yeah. Because now they can argue for contracts. And I said, that was an amazing line. But the the line after was the best. When he said, if I hear Dusty's name one more time, I'm going to throw up. Because Dusty ain't coming through those doors. And my brother works somewhere else. So it's just me. And I'm going to come in there and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to beat you. And your bloodline's going to go away. It's going to crack and it's going to fall and it's going to go away and they're all going to leave you and it's going to leave you by yourself. And it's a beautiful storyline because that's what we're all anticipating. We're all anticipating this coming through and he's saying the truth to Roman and Roman has to look at him. And the best part about it is if you watch his facial expression, Roman at that moment realizes that everything he fears, he's tried to throw what Cody fears in his face, but everything that Roman fears, Cody threw in his face and it really fucking hit him. I'm going to lose the bloodline. I'm going to lose my power and control. I'm going to use my three years of not being beat in a match. I'm going to lose my over two years of being the universal champion over a year as of the time we go there, but he'll be a year of a WWE champion. So the double champ, the champ champ, if you want to go by MMA Mm. terms and all of that's going in there. And of course, then you have the solo stuff when the cracks with solo. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're, you remind me of me. You're in a hurry to rush in Mm -hmm. dumb mistakes. And then, of course, when he would, come on, see, I knew it, you weren't ready, kid. Oh, and the big man turns around, and he wants a piece, and he gets called back, and that's a, that's a fracture in the bloodline. And, and also, when he went to attack Cody on, I forget if it was SmackDown or Raw, as Roman and Paul were leaving the ring, and Paul t- and turned around and looked at the ring and saw what Solo was doing and nudged Roman in a, in a worried look on his face and said, 
what is he doing? And Roman turned around and Roman just looked at him like, oh, what the hell? Like, what what is going on? You know, I'm losing control. Right. And I love the fact that if you when the cameras went off the air, they the, you know, people in the arena caught it. And this is a, this is what I think has been great during the Triple H era is that guys are continuing stories even when the cameras are off because they know that people have these phones mm-hmm. that can film everything and they are doing so. And uh, if you watched, it was him reading the Riot Act of Solo the entire ramp way back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he was giving him an earful because he's the tribal chief and you're going to listen to me. I mean, that's the assumption of what he was talking about. Yeah. And so this story has been built on so many levels. You add in the original bloodline feud that this is just a branch off of. But on top of that, we have the story that me and you have been talking about and everybody's talking about and it's brought up here. In can you know, hashtag finish the story. Yeah. Let's see the storybook ending. And and on, and for the fans who thought that this wasn't going to be a big huge moment, there's more people out there that want to see you finish the story than are trying to sabotage it. Mm-hmm. There's more people who are going to pop in that building if the one, two, three happens and it's Cody Rhodes standing there as your new, you know, beating the champion, coming against all adversity. That is the story of Cody Rhodes. I came against adversity and yeah, I ran, but you know what? I conquered it in the end. I left because I couldn't succeed as Stardust. And then I bet on myself and I went to the independence and I recreated myself and I created the American Nightmare. And through the independence, I then went to Ring of Honor in New Japan with that American Nightmare gimmick. And then I made friends with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And we, you know, we, we gambled on ourselves and for a dollar bet from Dave Meltzer, which they don't say the whole story, but we know the whole yep. story. Uh-huh. And that's how All In happens and then from all in tony khan wants to invest and that's how all elite wrestling happens and that's why we have that core group and then he was there and for whatever reason happened behind the stage he's too classy to tell although if you piss his wife off enough she's going to say something uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh you know he's never came out and i appreciate that about him and i appreciate the fact that triple h is not scared to let him go out there and talk about the fact that he was elsewhere mm-hmm. and yeah. what he was doing and because we all know the story and that's why i said when we were talking about how important the story is this transcends world wrestling entertainment this literally transcends this is part of AEW. This is part of Ring of Honor. This is part of New Japan Pro Wrestling. This is part of independent wrestling. This is part of the old school NWA and WCW because of the tie-ins of who his father is. His father alone in the legend that Dusty Rhodes is, is enough to make a main event storyline. However, on top of that, you have this man's journey to not only honor his father, but to step out of his father's shadow. Whereas his father was the American dream, he is the American nightmare. He wants to be his own man. And how do you do that? He's never gotten the shot at the big belt. Yeah. Never, mm-hmm. never. Yeah. One time in AEW, remember? Because yep. yep. fought Jericho, and if he lost, he'd never get it again. Yep. So the only world title shot, well, I mean, he had the NWA title that he won. Sure. But I'm just saying, the only major company, quote, unquote, where he got it was the second biggest company in the United States, however you want to look at it, whether you're fans or not, <laughs> it's up to you. But it's the it's the gospel. Mm-hmm. He only had a shot there, his company, and he lost. And he made a stupid stipulation, which I still think was a dumb idea because he was over enough that he should have been their champion at some yep. point, whether it was a heel or a face. However, whatever happened there, he's back in WWE to accomplish the one thing that his father never accomplished. And he's already accomplished things that his father never accomplished. He won the Royal Rumble. He's main eventing WrestleMania. He has no other roads has done that. You know, the great career that Goldust, a.k.a. Dustin Rhodes, had in World Wrestling Entertainment never made a vented WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. The great Dusty Rhodes never made a vented WrestleMania. They both had WrestleMania moments. Sure, sure. They never made a vented WrestleMania. Cody's already there. Now he's got to finish the story. Now he needs to win the WWE World Championship. And once again, I think it writes itself. I'm going to say it, obviously. I think Cody Rhodes wins this match. I think it's a mistake. You hear a lot of scuffle on the internet now that, oh, the it's not built enough. 
bullshit. It is. And secondly, if you wait to SummerSlam, you're not going to get the reaction. You're going to mm-hmm. get at Mania. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, Roman will be champion for a thousand days. Whoo-hoo. Whoop-dee-fucking-dee. Who cares? Who really honestly cares? Mm-hmm. Because now what you're going to do is if you do have Cody versus Roman at Mania with Roman still champion and Cody goes over at SummerSlam, sorry, SummerSlam, it, it, people will be excited, but the, the pop is going to be lessened because yeah. you've waited too long. It is built up now. Everything going on in the bloodline, the cracks, the fractures between the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Dusos, Solo, all of this stuff is played into this night and watching the Empire fall. And the Empire loses its first grip when the tag titles go. The Empire dies. Well, starts its die. It's decline. The Roman Empire. Yeah, that's right. Amply named, right? Mm-hmm. Ends. At WrestleMania. Well, sorry, the cracks. And then we get to see the fallout over the next few months. And we've already talked about how you can do that fallout. There's so many layers to this fucking story. It's, it's obnoxious, but it's great. Mm-hmm. But I think, honestly, if I'm booking this, it has to be Cody. It has to be that night. And then you're going to go on. And once again, we, I know you guys are going to have your opinions. And I've said it before. I just want to reiterate. For those who may have not heard because on the ODPH network, I think that then it's easy to break the titles apart. Because Cody, being the good guy he is, says, I don't need both of these belts. I'll relinquish one, and I'll keep the WWE title. Mm-hmm. And it's perfect. It doesn't make anything. It just makes him seem like an honorable man, which is in his character. Mm-hmm. And then you can do what that with you may. Also, on top of that, coming out of this, you have all these fresh setups and all these fresh matches. Once again, Seth Rollins comes into play here. Yeah, Seth Rollins and Cody have unfinished business. Because... Yeah, he beat he beat Seth Rollins a bunch of three times on pay per view and a few more on house shows and such. However, the story is that you know he got injured by Seth Rollins in a way. Yeah, yeah, he popped the shoulder elsewhere, but it's not like he didn't walk away with that arm during that match, which was phenomenal. Mm. So we got built in business, and we got built in business with Gunther, and we got built in business with everybody else. It's a beautiful story to write, and I just think this is the time where this story needs to happen at WrestleMania when the lights. I will give a caveat. The only way you can salvage Roman winning is if he wins the match and then we hear if the if you smell it, the rock is cooking. Yeah. Mm. And the rock comes. Okay. I'm not saying for a match. I'm saying to get in his face. Not to congratulate Roman, but to be. Whew. And if you really want to pull the WrestleMania 9 trigger, if you can, and have Rock just basically come in and just and walks out champion and then relinquishes both belts, right. you could also do that. It would look really weird. Yeah. It would look really clunky. However, it would get the pop, if that makes sense. Mm. I think that's the only way, honestly, in my opinion, that Cody doesn't walk out champion, is if you can do that. If you do it any other way, I'm honestly, I'm not saying that I'm not excited for the bloodline to see, but then I think that you take the luster away from Cody winning the belt at SummerSlam, and then who else would you have win the belt? Those are my opinions. Let's go to Pad. What are you thinking about this match and everything? This match is going to be one of the best matches you see this year or possibly of all time. You know, Cody bet, you know, left WWE, bet on himself, and is going to cash in on that bet. The other thing I want to point out, because you eloquently put everything he did on the indies and ROH and New Japan. The other thing we got to point out is when he went to New Japan and he joined the Bullet Club, and they had the Bullet Club shirts with him and Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Let's not forget that the one year, I think it was WrestleMania 33, where the CEO or the the head of some department in Hot Topic was at WrestleMania seeing all of these Bullet Club shirts and was like, holy shit, everybody's wearing these. We need to get these in our store. And they reached out to WWE just thinking, oh, these are WWE shirts. And WWE are like, no, they're not ours. We'll point you to who they are, though. 
And that's when you started seeing the Bullet Club shirts sold in Hot Topic stores across the country and became some of, if not the number, however many, you know, three, four selling shirts in that company's history. Absolutely. Which, which is insane to think about for for New Japan and Bullet Club. Because I remember here trying to get, you know, a, a Cody Rhodes uh, Bullet Club shirt, and I it took me about a month to get one here in, in a large size. It was insane. You know, but then you, you look at his coming back and just, you know, the moment last year and the build up this year, it has to happen now. Mm-hmm. I realize the thousand days is there, but it's going to be too long in the tooth if you hold out to SummerSlam to do it. Everything is built up to this moment. You know, Cody's going to have one of the craziest entrances you've seen of all time. There's going to be so much py- the pyro. The you py- said it's going to be record setting pyro. The pyro <laughs> is probably going to be seen from the space station, you know, as it's circling the planet. You know, it's 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 going to be insane, you know. And then you're going to get the moments in this match because, as I've said on ODPH before, Roman's not going to be beaten until there's no one left to defend him. You're go- he's going to come out with Paul Heyman. You're going to get that moment where the Usos come out and try and save him, but they're going to get stopped by Kevin Owens and Sammy. You're going to get in there laid out, and they can't defend because, or they get run to the back, or they get run through the crowd, whatever it is. They're not going to be able to help out. And then you're going to get Solo coming out to try and help, and Cody's going to stop him. And that's just going to leave Roman in the ring one-on-one with Cody and nobody else there to save him. Because what's he had this entire time of his reign of terror, if you want to call it that, or his reign at the top, he's always had people in front of him to save him and protect him. And you're going to get to that point because this is going to be a long match. It's going to be at least minimum 30 minutes. Uh, Roman doesn't wrestle anything less than 25 minutes these days. Yeah. It, it, if not longer. It's, yeah. But it's at least, I think his shortest match in, in the in the span we're talking, it was like 25 minutes. So he's going to get to a point in this match where all of this has happened. And he's going to realize, I've, I've got nobody left. This is it. And Cody's going to get hit him for the one, two, three. And that's going to be the fall of the Roman Empire. Now, if we talk about the actual Roman Empire... You can go read a history book or you can watch a documentary and on that book or in that in that book or on that documentary, someone's going to tell you, oh, this is the date the Roman Empire fell in actual history. But if you go on and you keep reading history, well, they were still around. You know, it's not like you just get to, you know, April 1st of whatever year and the Roman Empire was defeated and no longer. No, they were still around. You know, and there was events that took place after the same is going to be said for Roman's empire. It's, he's still going to be there. But it's not going to be what it was. And that's going to be the story afterwards of what the fallout is and, and what ends up happening. You had the fall and then you had the crumbling. Yeah. And that's what you're going to really get. And it continues the story, which is a great one of the best stories. Uh, by the way, I want to do point out before I pass it over to Ken. When I say his match is the shortest match is 25 minutes, it's 25 minutes bell to bell. That's not counting introductions. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if you count introductions, all his matches are like 40 minutes because right. he does at least a Undertaker 10-minute introduction every every event. Yeah. Roman Reigns, that is. Yeah. And so. they're going to be Cody at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is gonna. By the way, both of these guys. By the way, twenty minutes for intros between the two of these gentlemen. Easily, yeah. And then I, I'm guaranteeing a thirty plus minute match. Ken, you're up. Adrenaline in my soul. Something, something. Cody Rhodes. What better place than here? What better time than now? The best indie story to fruition possible. Undeniable from unwanted. Cody Rhodes. I believe the line is undesirable, undesirable. to undeniable. Yeah, I just enough. want to correct yeah, you because yeah. it is cringy. I, just, I know it's cringy. Yeah, it, it, the line is cringy, but you know what? Here's the thing about it. The saga of Cody Rhodes and the evolution of the blueprint that pro wrestlers should follow 
is truly undeniable. Did not have a good go at it at the latter half of his first run in WWE. Stardust didn't go over. He left. He bet on himself. Say about the only highlight with Stardust was his match with Stephen Amell. Mm -hmm. He went to the Indies. He worked every promotion possible. In fact, the weight belt that he's coming out to WrestleMania with has the names of every indie he worked Mm -hmm. on it. The pictures uh, are on the inside, yeah. Yeah, on the Unfortunately, inside. he was going to do logos, but then there was a problem with uh, licensing. Yeah, yeah. Because, of course, some of those independent companies wanted to get paid money from WWE. Yeah. Yeah, which... you know, I think that the exposure would have been better. That's just me, but whatever. I agree. But he showed that you put in the work, you can reinvent yourself. He reignited his career. And when he got with the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Adam Page and the dollar bet heard around the internet... He truly made himself into a bona fide superstar that was the catalyst for the initial success of AEW. Can't be taken away from him. And then, obviously, that chapter has closed for now, and the prodigal son has returned home. And the story has been, Cody is back. And what was he going to do now? And as we've seen from that early start of his return, he worked his ass off. He wrestled one of the most grueling matches with a torn bicep, and the pictures are horrific. Completely torn. Yeah. And still put on the match when there's no rhyme or reason he should have been in the ring. None. Got surgery he needed, got the time off, came back, won the Royal Rumble, and for everybody that was saying, oh, it should have been Sami Zayn's spot, it was never going to be Sami Zayn's spot. This has always been Cody's story. Always. There is no... But, but, no. This has been his moment since he stepped foot at WrestleMania last year. He is now in prime position to be the guy. To beat the guy. In Roman Reigns, the most dominant champion in recent memory in WWE. The one who has been the true needle mover of all of pro wrestling. This is going to be an epic match. I'm going to say right now from bell to bell, 45 minutes. I'm going to put it out there. It's going to be near an hour. And when it's all said and done, this is Cody's moment. I understand about The Rock, and this is one thing I was saying about, you know, with The Rock and Batista and everything that Triple H wanted to do. It didn't work out in this in that aspect, and you know what? I'm glad it didn't as far as The Rock goes because this should be Cody's moment. This is the one that all the fans, whether you're hashtag I'm with AEW, hashtag WWE Universe, hashtag pro wrestling community this is the story that has been for you the rock is the pop culture audience and i don't think that it works in this area and i think that now cody's ascension to the top of the card as the main event is the true full circle story that every fan no matter if you're a hardcore indie guy or just somebody that watches on monday and friday you can get into and truly respect I'm going to say this, too. Uh, two things real quick to piggyback off of that. Uh, first of all, uh, The Rock not working out this year doesn't mean it won't work out next year, the year mm-hmm. after, or whatever. Roman has now transcended being a champion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Roman is now in that level of – and I'm not saying he doesn't. he's never going to be champion again because that's a lie. Right. I'm just saying that he has transcended. He's bigger than that. He is now in that elite level, uh, no pun intended. Literally, he's at the top of the food chain, whether he has a belt or not. He's in that Brock Lesnar, I'm a fucking attraction level. Uh, so here's the thing. 
the him versus the Rock should have never been for a title anyways if they could make it work this year. I agree. They should, that's why next year, the year after, whenever, if they can make it happen, it's the perfect time if he's never he's not the champion because then you can have the match however you want. Mm-hmm. Secondly, for those of you who need a little history lesson on how the internet will go and everybody, even though you guys are some people, and I'm not saying everybody listening, but there's a good possibility of a lot of people not being happy or whatever, and they voice on the internet, even though I think the majority of people are happy. Like I said, the, the, it outweighs it for Cody. Just think back about All In. What was the biggest thing that happened at All In? The NWA World Title match. Yeah. Nick mm-hmm. Aldis defending against Cody Rhodes. Cody winning the NWA World Heavyweight Title that felt that his father held in that emotional moment was the reason a lot of people tuned in. Yep. That was the big I mean, there was great matches on that card. Do not get me wrong. But one of the biggest things that made people tune in was that match. So when you kick it in and kick it back. That is, there's a connection between Cody and fans of wrestling. So mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be the, the storybook ending. In closing, I, I, I would leave the floor open to speculation if you guys have any other speculation, but I, I have one speculation. There's only one thing I think is going to happen at WrestleMania, barring something weird. Like we said, like an extra title defense for the women's titles, which wouldn't be a long match, or like uh, Bobby Lashley adding himself to a match. Uh, we've already said those things. The only thing I'm expecting to happen, I shouldn't say expecting because I've expecting makes it sound like I'm going to be mad if it doesn't happen. But the only thing that's teased that I think is going to happen because it'll be a shorter segment with a great pop is I do think we're going to get LA Knight and Stone Cold Steve Austin, not in a match. Yeah. 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 It is going to be a pro. pro LA Knight's going to come out, cut his fucking I'm LA Knight. I should have had a WrestleMania moment. You know, singing the sour grapes, glass shatters. Crowd goes fucking ballistic. Yeah. Austin comes out. We have a yeah off. Yeah. Because yeah. I think there's going to be a little promo. We or have the a, yeah off. A what off with a yeah off. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. And then we're going to get the stunner. He's going to eat a stunner. It's going to send everybody home happy. And no, by the way, internet wrestling folks, that does not mean LA Knight's buried. That means he just got a rub from the greatest fucking superstar that's ever laced him <laughs> exactly. up. Exactly. Because nobody gets a better and bigger reaction than one Stone Cold Steve Austin. So I think that's true. it. So I want to turn to the table. Is there anything else you guys might be predicting other than what we've already talked about in that? So I'll, I know we mentioned it, but I didn't mention mine. I do think Bobby Lashley's going to get a match, but I'm going to throw a real hammer out here. Chris Masters. The Master Lock Challenge? Yeah. He Masters has wanted this match for a while. Masters is petitioning for it. Uh, he's been he's been online petitioning for a mass, match with Bobby Lashley. He he even said, "I know I know Lashley needs an opponent at Mania. I've kept that weekend open specifically." I don't know if that's going to happen, but that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the other one I'm going to throw out is I don't know if it'll happen at Mania. It probably won't happen at Mania, but it'll happen at the Raw after Mania. And this is why I said I don't think Gunther's going to be the next challenger for when Cody Rhodes wins the belt. Is I think it's going to be Randy Orton. Because there's there's a Ooh. lot there's a lot of rumors and speculation that Randy's ready to come back, and it's either going to be at WrestleMania or the night after. I, I agree that it's a big deal. I just am kind of I, here's the thing. I'm still a little tentative on Randy doing anything singles right away, so sure. I think he might go back to his tag team, which would also fit into the tag team being tag teams being elevated again. Uh, but I would like to see that. I'm yeah. not saying that I'm against it. I'm just yeah. saying that because he definitely his star deserves that. However, there's still some worries I think with the back, but yeah. I, I, I do agree that that would be awesome. It would be, but I don't think that would be a SummerSlam opponent. I still think Gunther's the SummerSlam. I think that would okay. be a backlash opponent okay. because I don't think that they're going to do a rematch between Cody and Roman from all reports. No. And I do believe it. Roman's going to go away for a few months, which yeah. is good yeah. because then the bloodline's on their own mm. and I, that creates most of the crumbling. And then finally, when he comes back, it's like, yeah. we did this without you. Hence why I pitched that if Cody does give up one of the belts because of, you know, being the good guy, you could even do money in the bank for the belt. And have Jey Uso win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have this, I'm the champion and I'm the head of the table. 
and we could have this and we could come full circle finally with the bloodline but and you could do it any different way but that's a possibility of one in my opinion yeah uh, Ken, you got anything you want to throw? I mean, Brian Cage is free that weekend. <laughs> See, Brian, now, listen, it's not as big of a get, because, and I'm sorry, I like Brian Cage, mm-hmm. but it's not like a sexy get, but I mean, look at the size of him, look at the size of Lashley, I mean, that could be, that could be it. Yeah, I I would be excited not for Not because that. of star power, but because it's a big way to introduce a big man. Yeah. If they could pull that off, because uh, obviously with everything going on uh, that weekend, which if you listen to 607TWS, the ultimate indie wrestling roundup, WrestleMania edition, you know about the, there's a lot of action going on that weekend. A lot of stars are in town. So it all really depends on if they really want to make a surprise appearance. Like I could see a Matt Cardona showing up. I was, more, I was more getting him on the Raw after. Yeah. But I could see him being on Mania. Comes yeah. out, cuts a promo after maybe his wife lose. That'd be a cool way. Bobby Lashley could get involved there. Maybe not a match, but he just comes out and just smears him. Yeah, just does something like that. <laughs> I could see. Uh, honestly, I don't really see too many surprises other than the LA Knight uh, Stone Cold. But that's not really a surprise. That's just heavily speculated. Because the one thing that I think Triple H has done very solidly with this card is it's pretty well-rounded from top to bottom between both nights. Like, there doesn't feel like, with the exception of Bobby Lashley, not on either night as of right now, I think that it's pretty much hit the big moment, the big players and really given everybody a real chance to shine. And I think going into it, I mean, you, you could have a surprise, but I think you got to stack that first night after Mania uh, for Monday Night Raw because you said it's three hours. you got to have something on there, you, and you, we know it's big debuts. We just don't know who. Returns, debuts. I mean, you know, you could get the Braun Breaker making his yep. debut. You know, coming up from NXT, because I'm fully anticipating him losing the belt to Carmelo Hayes. Yep. Uh, I know we didn't really talk about NXT, but we didn't have time. I I mean, we had a lot of time to talk about this. Maybe next year we'll make sure to get it in the Indie Roundup. That's what we sure. should have done. So I apologize. Not that I think that it's anything I'm going to be watching, Stand and Deliver. Just, man, we're already long on this show, folks, as you know. But that's going to wrap up our in-depth. That's what we do, though. In-depth coverage. We broke everything down. If you didn't know why everything was important and why this is on paper is one of the best WrestleManias, literally there was one match that we didn't want to talk about. Literally, mm-hmm. out of all the matches, 13 matches, we broke them down. We had a, things to say about everything except for one match. Uh, <laughs> you know, it is what it is, right? But for those of you who might not need any more wrestling talking or you just love the WWE stuff, you know, you can go ahead and you're going to be able to turn this off now. Uh, you know, we hope you listen to the rest because we're going to do a little bonus for everybody else. Yes. So this is the end of the WrestleMania conversation. We'll be back next week on the same show, another crossover for the review of WrestleMania 39. Of course, we'll also be reviewing the indie as well on a separate show and that's why we're doing it so it wasn't a five hour show however for those of you who like us can't talk enough for wrestling we are going to take another break oh by the way for those of you who might dip out make sure to get all your information at 3fmpodcast.com and odphpodcast.com respectively mm-hmm. uh, but we are going to come back for one final bonus we're going to call it a bonus segment after a break and that is going to be us talking a few different news stories that we want to get out there I promise it's not going to be as long or in depth as the first two segments but we kind of want to give it out there as a bonus for you fans who can't get enough pro wrestling action so we're going to take this final break we'll be right back Hey guys, it's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH Podcast. Uh, 
All right, we're back with this bonus segment for this special ODPH 607 TWS crossover. So if you are a hardcore wrestling fan and you didn't have enough of our like three-hour WrestleMania conversation, now it's time to talk a little bit about some bonus stuff going on in the world of wrestling. And there's no bigger story, I believe, than the the CM Punk <laughs> Instagram tweet that went around the world uh. in the back end. And of course, he deleted it. Padawan Jay, I do believe you have the uh, it in it's pulled up and ready to go. Yep. So uh, I just want to say start on state that this was supposedly taking place on the night that uh, remember the squash match on Dynamite where the interim champion John Moxley defeated mm. the world champion CM Punk. It was the week. It was the Wednesday before, correct? Uh, two weeks. Or was before. it two weeks before? Okay. Yeah, because the following week, that's when um, uh, Ace Steel was in the ring and saying, okay, like, yep. you doing this for Chicago, and he's, like, really trying to push that point. So, yeah, and then the double, and then it was the, uh, uh, sorry, all out. Cause yeah, the, yeah. Because the infamous brawl out would happen after that. So this is the setup to it. Remember when he had that squash match against John Moxley? I just want to set it up, because nowhere in here does he ever say that that's what it is, but it is what it is. Mm. So, Padawan Jay, you're up. What did uh, CM Punk put on Instagram? Quote, sigh, I wasn't cleared to come back to wrestle yet. Then uh, then plan was to wrestle at the pay-per-view. I sat and listened to Moxley's Rocky Three idea. I explained how I'd never seen a Rocky movie. I and thought the idea sucked, but if the boss wanted to do it, whatever. He said he wouldn't lose to me. I'd never experienced someone refusing to lose to me. I just laughed. I asked Tony if this was what he wanted. He said yes. He's the boss. So I said, okay, but I need to be cleared first. They kept saying it could just be a squash, so I didn't need to be cleared. I scoffed at that. My health is more important. Dave Meltzer is a liar. Jericho is a liar and a stooge. There were plans, but plans always change. But I'll never put a company above my health ever again. Close quote. So uh, this was spurned on because Dave Meltzer, this is one of the interesting parts that Dave Meltzer was on a message board in the year 2023. That's right, folks. I did not make it up. They're still around. A message board in 2023. Not, I mean, I guess Reddit's kind of like a message board. It's a new age kinda. message. It's like a social media, but it wasn't on Reddit. It was on a legit message board. So I, that was the, my first takeaway. Uh, he had made some comments about him and Jericho knowing uh, the whole punk situation. So this is where punk was getting this Instagram story from. So it, it was not out of thin air. I just want to throw that out there then we get into the meat and potatoes of course a lot of people focused on the the cm punk has never seen rocky and i think that's kind of strange that blows my mind i read somewhere he said that before though yes so i don't know why he's never seen rocky but okay cool uh i don't mind so my takeaway from this though like down to meat and potatoes whether he's lying telling the truth i you know we don't know we weren't there Dave Meltzer wasn't there. Chris Jericho wasn't even there. So if he's saying something different, and I'm assuming he is, hence why he's calling him a liar and a stooge. Uh, but the only people that were confirmed there from CM Punk were himself, John Moxley, and Tony Khan. Tony Khan is the promoter and booker. John Moxley, the interim champion. CM Punk getting ready to return from in- injury as the world heavyweight champion. My first concern, and the biggest concern I think we should all have, is the fact that he mentions that he was not cleared to mm-hmm. wrestle. Mm-hmm. Yet they were like, hey, well, we're just going to do a squash match, so it doesn't matter if you're not cleared. 
this is going into a long history of some questionable uh, health things going on in, in, in the world of all elite. And I know it got brought up recently, the uh, incident with uh, Matt Hardy and uh, Matt Hardy, of course, falling and smacking his head and then continuing the match, even though the referee, Aubrey, was ready to throw the match out and did not want to continue. Uh, also, of course, the incident where uh, uh, Alex Reynolds got knocked out during the tag match. And of course, yeah. because afterwards he said that that was a spot in the match. If you watch it back, uh, that, I don't see any acting there. Cause no, why would you be in the way of other guys? Like when a guy goes down they like that, drag they him, roll yeah. out of the way. Yeah. So they're not in the way of the action. So you just clogged up part of the ring for no reason. Like it doesn't make sense, but once again, whatever. It, it, so there's a long history of guys getting injured and doing crazy spots that they probably shouldn't have done. I mean, Sammy Guevara took an injury off of a ladder spot that he probably shouldn't have done. Mm-hmm. And nobody told him that, yeah, you probably shouldn't do this because it's just for television. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyways, I digress. Uh, this is concerning. How do you guys, starting with this, starting with Ken, how do you feel about this uh, revelation that said, hey, it doesn't matter if you're cleared or not. We're just going to do a squash match. Troubling. <laughs> Troubling and disturbing. Because unfortunately, like you touched upon, this is not the first time that this has has come to light. And I... Uh, I I just can't even wrap my head around that this is still like a situation, you know. It it is just it's baffling to me. Absolutely, Pad. It's a horrible look for AEW, and they should have known better because given CM Punk's well-documented history with promotions and health and wanting him to work through injuries, they should have known that he would not do this. That there's no, it never should have gotten to this point in the planning stage that they were even contemplating this idea. It should have gotten to the, hey, why don't we do this? Well, no, this wouldn't work because he's not cleared. Done. End of story. The fact that they even considered it is asinine. Right, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take it a step further and piggyback off you. The fact that also you know his record of just saying whatever the fuck he wants. It's, this was gonna come to light one day. Mm-hmm. Like like saying something like that to a guy that you know is going to eventually tell all is kind of fucking weird, man. Yeah, it's a way to burn your fucking ass. I'm just throwing it out there. My other concern here, and this goes back to me, you know, getting on TK, and I understand some people might think I hate it. I don't. I just want shit to be better. But my bigger issue here, and like I said, we're going to hear, because I'm going sh- to say what John Moxley had to say in an interview, because he did talk about this. I want to point out that when he points out that Moxley said, I refuse to lose to you, and you're the booker, I don't know if you should sit there and take that. As the booker, yeah, maybe that's what you want as well, but you shouldn't have your talent saying that. Mm-hmm. You should be like, if, if your talent says that, you should look at them literally and go, well, uh, I'm the boss, and so if I tell you to lose, you're losing. Your name's on a contract. It's the same thing when I was working in the indies, and I was booking shows in the indies. If a guy told me that he didn't want to do a spot, that's okay. Then I'll find somebody else who wants to do a spot. And I'm not saying anything unsafe. There's reasons to turn down spots. I'm going to throw this out there. If you feel unsafe in the ring against somebody, you shouldn't take the match. Mm -hmm. But you should make sure it's clear, because once again, this has to be about health. And there's people who are unsafe in the ring. Uh, Right back. Uh, Allegedly. I don't want to get sued. Uh, But anyways... You know, like there's things like that that happen. That's perfectly fine. If there's a real personal issue where you feel like you could be taken advantage of, that's another reason to kind of, you know, say, I don't want to do this and it should be respected. However, if, or if it's a spot you don't feel comfortable doing, if you don't feel comfortable taking the move, if you don't feel comfortable doing a certain thing, a spot through a table, whatever it may be, those are reasons you, as a wrestler, you should protect yourself 110%. And any, any decent human being as a booker would hear those responses and go, okay, yeah, we can change that. 
not a problem. We'll figure something else out mm-hmm. because I don't want you to feel unsafe. Because I, I, I will change that for a guy in a heartbeat. If somebody comes and says, hey, Rich, I, I know that at the end of this match, I'm supposed to take this power bomb or whatever through a table. I'm, I, I just don't. I don't feel safe. I don't feel like I'm safe. I don't, you know, it might be your worker, might be whatever. I'm going to say, okay, we'll figure out, we'll just do something different. Would you be feel safer with a chair shot? Would you feel safer with, you know, knucks, whatever? Yeah, you do know, something different. You have you have different different routes you can go at the end of the day. It's just about keeping your talent safe and healthy as much as you can in the sport. But to sit there and listen to a performer tell another performer, "I will not lose to you." Yeah. If that's what happened once again, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. But we're going by what Punk said. That means to me you're not in charge, and you're supposed to be in charge. You're, you're not. But in his case, he's not just the booker; he's the promoter. Yeah. So he needs to be in charge and say, hey, listen, I pay you and I have your name on a dotted line. You'll do what I want. And if it's what he wants them to do, that's fine. But he delivers that information. Yeah. Why is it coming from your talent when it should be coming from you directly if this is what happened? Right. Giving it credit allegedly happened. But that's why I'm saying, TK, man, you got to And I've seen him get better and I give him his flowers when he deserves them. So for somebody to say that I don't like TK or what he does, no. I call him out for the bullshit, especially because mm-hmm. everybody else wants to blow smoke up his ass and call him the booker of the year. However, I do give him his flowers. I thought that he did a great job booking Vikingo. We were one of the first people on a on a publicized big way who were singing the praises. Yep. There was a lot of apologists that were fucking telling me he was crazy because he wasn't booking AEW guys. And this is why it could get over because we're not booking our guys. And there is a place for that. But there's also a place to try to pop a fucking rating. And it didn't work, but it doesn't matter. You can still you guys still have to try. It's the effort. By the way, the clips on YouTube went through the fucking roof. So it did accomplish something. Yeah. I just want to throw that out there. So I do defend him there. So. Let's go ahead, because John Moxley had a lot to say, because he sat down with his wife, Renee Paquette, for the Sessions podcast. This is his second time on the Sessions. And this ended up working, because as they said on the podcast, they were supposed to have done this a week ago, but, well, life got in the way. And luckily that happened, because he got a rebuttal. So we're going to start with the rebuttal. So this is what he had to say about CM Punk's Instagram post. Uh, And I'm using quotes here. No, uh, because uh, the question I do believe is if uh, uh, it's real. Or whatever. Well, do you have anything to say right. to what happened? And uh, he says, no, because nothing has unfolded. It's fucking annoying. Just because somebody said some stupid shit on social media, like, that's not news. But it is, and it ends up being a thing. I don't want to get dragged into this dumb shit. I could fucking unload on a lot of fucking people right now. If I start getting dragged into this shit, it tempts me to do that. But I'm not going to fucking sink to that level. But I will say this. I'm just going to give you, like, a tidbit of information from my point of view. The entire summer, I was not under contract. No contract, free agent. I was at SummerSlam weekend wrestling Desperado. The day of SummerSlam, I fucking suplexed him on a bunch of aluminum cans and shit cut in half. It was fucking dope. (laughs) That's literally his words. I could have walked into SummerSlam that night with the AW fucking belt if I had been so inclined. Nobody knew that because I don't put my shit out there in the world and let everybody know every fucking thing about my business. That's a big tell, by the way. I was not under contract. The reason being, if you're curious, is because I got to rehab and my contract was coming up. They extended it for the time that I missed. Cool. I'm glad they did, actually, because I didn't want to feel like I owed them anything. So they extended it a little bit. It was coming up. They're talking to me about it. The last thing I wanted to do when I first got out of rehab, because all that were telling me is like basically logic would tell you, don't go back to wrestling because you're just going to fall into same old habits, right? So I wanted to just like ease back into it and see what it was, uh, what life was like on the other side. And the last thing I wanted to do was just hurry up and sign a big long-term commitment because that, what if, I don't know, what if should go start to go off the rails. 
Pretty quickly, I was like, man, actually being selfish is awesome. This is fantastic. I'm having so much fun. I was working with my friends, Blackpool Combat Club, me, Claudio, Brian, and Regal. This is great. They're talking to me about signing a new thing. And I was like, if everything just stays exactly as it is right now, I'll be here forever. You can pay me in cash in an envelope at the end of the <laughs> night. I don't give a fuck. But I can't tell you what I'm going to feel like uh, in six months, especially not in three years or five years once I make a commitment. Then I will push through injuries and I will push myself too hard and I will do these things that add up and lead you down the road or whatever. So I was not in a hurry to make any kind of grand commitment at first. That being said, during this time period, the night in fucking what's this dick is talking about. It was in Indianapolis, not Indianapolis, Minneapolis. It was the night he came back and was hopping around on one foot, bumping around inner circle or whatever after me and Jericho wrestled in a badass match, by the way. So we're, talking later about stuff. Now, keep in mind at this time, this is my whole point. I basically don't work there for all intents and purposes. I don't even work here. Tony is not my boss. I don't even have to be in this room. I don't have to do shit. So even me being in this room and offering and agreeing to a storyline that puts you over at the pay-per-view, if anything, I'm bending over backwards for Tony and for this dude and for this company and everybody, because I didn't have to, I didn't have to do shit. If anything, I was bending over backwards. So that's it. It's not even controversial and I give him credit there. So what he's saying, and now here's the difference. Now, after hearing what he said, and I already knew this, then Tony wasn't his boss. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why he didn't all take the offers to just take that belt and dump it. Yeah. I would have, <laughs> I'm just throwing oh. it out. I'd have pulled the Alondra blaze. History did History was not kind to her because WWE ended up winning. Mm-hmm. I don't think that AEW's putting WWE out of business. No, but, I mean, that's so telling that he was a free agent just running around that summer. But his, mean, his his loyalty is good. I mean, well, you know, say what you will, AEW's been very, very good to Moxley, for the most part. I, I think uh, they've had a, a great relationship, uh, minus the uh, GCW um, match there with Nick, uh, Nick Gage. But... Other than that, I think that they've had a very good understanding. And, and, you know, I think John appreciates when he left WWE, he was very frustrated at what he was doing there. And, you know, he felt that this was going to be a fresh start. And I've said it once. I've said it a million times. In AEW, he is the draw. Mm-hmm. He is the big dog. He is the, the you know, heart and soul, which is he deserves all those yes. acquisitions. Agreed. In WWE, he's only the third best member of the Shield. Mm-hmm. And that has nothing to do with John Moxley and his talents. It just has to do with the fact that Roman is the big dog of all of pro wrestling. Right. And right beneath him is Seth Rollins. You can't argue any other way. Mm-hmm. Because... Can you argue that John Moxley is better than Seth Rollins? I'm sure some people can try. You can try, but it's But if 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 John Moxley goes on a losing streak like Seth Rollins did, people will just write him off cuz they did in the past. Mm-hmm. People don't care cuz that's how over Seth Rollins is. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Pat, you want to add anything before no, I move on? No, yeah, I mean the, just the thing of it is is hi, Tony Khan, if you're listening, build your company around John Moxley. I know your buddy buddy and you love CM Punk, but you sat on that table in the press conference after all out while the CM Punk, your best friend did a public dressing down of your entire company and of your main stars. And you're only now just starting to get your shit together and kind of recover from all that. You know, Moxley is as loyal as they come because another point he brings up in, in the podcast, and I highly recommend everyone go listen to it because it's a, after you get through the punk stuff, it's some great, it's some great yeah, stuff. I'm going to talk about a couple of those points. You know, it's a great listen. But one of the other points he brings up 
is how he's in, incredibly loyal that he was supposed to be at another independent federation, you know, recently, but then he got pulled for the AEW house show and he feels honor bound to them because he had to back out of the, the agreement with this other independent federation. He feels he has to make it up to them. Meanwhile, you've got CM Punk on the other side who sat there eating a fucking muffin telling the world he works with children. Uh, once you again, know, it, I'm it, hurt. I'm tired. And I work with fucking children. children. Who, who would you rather build your company around from? A guy who's fiercely loyal and willing to do stuff for your company when he's not under contract or a guy who's just looking out for himself? I agree with you. I want to add in this because I'm going to throw in allegedly before we move on. The problem is allegedly MJF wants to work CM Punk. Tony Khan, allegedly, you shouldn't listen to anything MJF has to say. He's the guy who's publicly telling you that he is going to put you in a bidding war. And we've talked about this on this show. Mm. I don't think the bidding war is going to go his way. And I, here's why. Because I don't know if WWE is really interested in him. I really don't. Because they know he's a problem. Because they've been told he's a problem. Because we've heard that from the likes of Dax Harwood and multiple other sources that he's a problem. WWE doesn't like problems. And I'm sure Cody says he's a problem. Because you notice Cody's not buddy-buddy with MJF like he likes to believe he is. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been that way behind the scenes. I'm just throwing it out there. So he might not be the big acquisition of 2024, but they might be losing Kenny Omega in 2024. Look at the shitstorm that got kicked up when MJF skipped out, allegedly, on a... Uh, meet and greet, right? Meet, it was a meet and greet meet the and night greet. before he left, uh, got squashed and left. For, for all out. Uh, or, or double or nothing. Double or nothing. Went, Vegas. Went, you know, he he skipped out on a meet and greet autograph session for for double or nothing. Can you imagine what the shitstorm that would kick off if he did that for SummerSlam? Well, you don't you don't do that in WWE or yeah. WrestleMania. <laughs> you don't get away with that. Yeah, yeah, that would that would never have flown for WWE. Like, I'm sorry, they just wouldn't. And I, I just think, yeah, you're right. I, I as much as we like MJF. I don't think you can, if you're TK, I don't think you can listen to him about bringing in Punk just based on what everybody's saying. But plus, I know we don't dive into the ratings, but let's face it, your champion is supposed to be driving your ratings, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think the fans are invested into him as much as they used to be because, I mean, look at the ratings. They've stayed very stagnant. They, they, they kind of fluctuate up and down, let's face it, every show does, but they haven't taken a drastic drop off. Or and they also, by contrast, haven't taken a massive surge. No, they didn't surge. They they they've stayed kind of the same. So I mean, that's something you got to take into effect before you start listening to you know ideas from outside. Going back to the sessions now. My uh, la later on, Renee brings up on the uh, talking about the chaos that has been going on with AEW talent. Moxley's response, and I quote: "I will say this, and I have to say it. I don't think I've ever said anything even remotely negative about AEW, but I will say this: as an observer, it seems like you know. I spent eight years on the Indies. I spent a couple of years in WWE developmental. I spent like eight years in WWE. I have never seen so much bullshit drama in one place in my entire fucking life. I hate to say that, but it's like I don't know if it's because of the age of social media that shit gets blown out of proportion. Like one person types one stupid fucking drunk tweet." and all of a sudden it's all anybody wants to talk about we're sitting up here doing a podcast you know what we're not talking about we're not talking about the fucking stellar match by vikingo and kenny omega and all the cool stuff going on in AEW. we're not talking about the great pay-per-view we just had we're not talking about any of that we're talking about bullshit like 
let me be clear. The vast majority of people there don't cause any fucking trouble or any bullshit, but they're getting sucked down into this shit like everybody else through the muck. There's plenty of people who just want to get better and perform and fucking just do this job, man. It's the best job in the world. I'm not an official coach. I definitely don't ever want to be a producer, so to speak. I don't want to be an official producer. I don't want to wear the headset. I won't I don't want to have to write stuff down and talk to them. I like being a coach, but I'm not in any kind of official capacity as a coach. But I've coached people that I think are worth it. I'll give time to anybody. End quote, as far as the chaos. Listen, they needed more locker room leaders like John Moxley, mm-hmm. who isn't out here talking about this except for in this interview, to end the bullshit. And I, I, we all know the bullshit we're talking about. People running to dirt sheet writers and running their mouths about shit. Yeah. People making fucking mm-hmm. tweets. As he pointed out, drunk tweets, but some of them aren't drunk. That leading to backstage fights that we know about. You know, tell me why Sammy Guevara has been in four backstage fights that mm. we know of that are confirmed even by himself. Yeah. yeah. And he's not considered a bigger issue. I think that you need more people like John Moxley, in my opinion, guys. No, you, you definitely do. I mean, I think the fact that he's calling out publicly, I think, does speak volumes because Moxley is the heart and soul of AEW. I mean, he's, in my opinion, I mean, he took that from Eddie Kingston. And he needs to set that example that this shit isn't going to fly because if you want your company to succeed, it shouldn't be about what the dirt sheet writers are trying to stir up because everybody's buying in. It should be about, like you said, it should be, or he said, it should be about the programming that they had. They had a great pay-per-view. That's what everybody should be talking about. You had Vikingo versus Kenny Omega. That's what the fans should be rallying around. They're not because of this stupid bullshit that has been now growing it hasn't slowed down. It's been growing amongst certain members of their their locker room. And somebody needs to pull them aside and say, get the fuck off Twitter. Like The worst part about it is we're hearing reports as high as 60% of their locker room's unhappy. Yeah. I don't right. know if that's true. It's alleged. It's, it's allegedly, coming from the dirt right. sheets. But unfortunately, they're leaking everything to the fucking dirt sheets. No, he, he's absolutely right. Because as somebody who doesn't watch AEW, but I do go on Reddit and I do look at social media, you know, you've got Tony Khan announcing matches and you've got storylines going on and all this other stuff. And what's anyone talking about? It's what CM Punk posted on social media. It's what John Moxley said in this interview. It's every possible soundbite coming out of Dax Harwood's podcast. You know, it, it, anything to do with outside of wrestling in AEW gets talked about ad nauseum. But everything else, you know, the buildup of, oh, what could happen, this, that, the other, buried. Meanwhile, on the flip side with WWE... You're not hearing shit. You know, are there some backstage friction? I'm sure there probably. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Absolutely. there probably is. It's a part of life. It's a part of a business and part of being in a workplace. Not everyone gets along 100% of the time, but you're not hearing about it. it they're kind of keeping it in-house. They're settling it with amongst themselves. You know, but but like I said, with this AEW stuff, you know, it, it's not the match with Kenny Omega and Vikingo. It's not the FTR match that's coming up, you know, in a, in a week or so. It's not, you know, Adam Cole returning in the ring, you know, this upcoming week or whatever else Tony Khan's announcing. It's, oh, my God, did you did you see the post that, that CM Punk liked on social media? Oh, my God, did you hear the interview with that random no-name, uh, you know, interviewer that, that John Moxley did? Oh, my God, did you hear that, that three-word sentence that Dax Harwood gave in his podcast? Oh, my God. Who cares? Yeah, it's crazy. And a lot of that stuff they take out of context, too. And a lot of those aspects, a lot of things are taken out of context. Some are not. Some are taken, especially with the Dax Harwood podcast. I've heard things coming out of it, and I listen to it every week. And I'm like, that's not what I heard. Yeah. That's not what he said. He said this, but he prefaced it with this or that. And if you want, but it's not as sexy. 
It's not yeah. as sexy. Well, that's the whole thing. They're, they're like buying into you know uh, bad you know bad news is still good news. You know, and that's foolish because for what they need to do, and especially you think about when the brawl out happened. That was last summer. Mm-hmm. It's still lingering over your company. Yeah. So somebody in that locker room or somebody backstage needs to go and really have a, pull the talent together and say, are we going to get this shit together or not? And if you don't want to be here, kindly get the fuck out. Because, like, honestly, if you want this company to succeed, you need to start rallying around it. But unfortunately, it's the same old shit. Until they fix it, it's going to be the same old shit. So I, I, I want to really stress, as as Pat pointed out, go and listen to the sessions with John Moxley. Mm-hmm. We are going to talk about one more piece, but there is stuff in there, great stuff, like him feeling like he has obligations to companies, uh, independent companies. He also talks about how the house show, he thought it was a success. Yes, there was some things that happened there that we got out to the internet, but he's like, that's how you work on things. That's how it's always been done. You know, he was like, I came out of FCW NXT. Uh, you know, so WWE's always had that way to get you in. And before that, the indies. So these guys have to learn, you know, certain things that you're supposed to do on television. He also goes on to tell how he tries to get uh, younger talent even before they were doing house shows to do indie shows with trusted, reputable, bigger companies like Defy and Revolver and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, let's go in there and it gives you the reps you need. Now doing the house shows he thinks is a positive because you'll get the reps in-house while building the AEW brand. I think that's amazing. Once again, great locker room later. But the one thing I did want to leave on is he talks about why he doesn't do media interviews. And it's kind of something that we've been touching on recently. His exact quote is, I generally don't like to talk too much about how the sauce is made because it's not like protecting secrets so much as it's like once you know how the trick is done it's not as fun to watch it it kind of feels like i'm kind of running the stuff uh ruining the stuff a little bit but also fans love appreciating and understanding the art of what we do so he understands why fans but once again it comes back to the comments that we've made here before where any other fandom, if you were to give them the spoilers, they would be fucking outraged. Mm, you tell yeah. people a spoiler for the next Star Wars movie before they get to see it, they're pissed. That you tell them the, twice. Yep. You tell them the spoilers for a Harry Potter film or whatever. You just think of the big franchises, and if you tell them the spoiler before they get a chance to see it, you will have it'll be off with your head on the fucking internet. And but for pro wrestling, for some reason, we're paying five dollars, ten dollars, whatever a month to hear people. Sometimes tell the truth and sometimes lie. Why do we need to know? As a wrestling fan and as somebody who worked in the business, I love not knowing. Mm. We come on here and we speculate. That's why I said none of what we talk about is speculation. It's right. what we want to see as fans. It's what, you know, it's giving you information and it's, you know, using some of, you know, the stuff that I've learned over the years of working in the business and years of being a fan and historian and same with Ken and same with Pad. However, it's, it's at the same point, Juxer, I'm never going to tell you, even if I knew a finish to a match, a real finish to a match, I'm not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Why? Because why would I ruin that for somebody? Well, that's the whole point. But you know, the, the sad thing is it became cool by the powers that be that are the ones putting that out there. They've made it this whole narrative like, oh, if you have the insider information, like you're on some different level. And it's like, no, you're not, because half the time you're not getting fed the right information. And you're just saying they're getting worked. What do you mean, Ken? They just changed plans. Yeah. That's all that happened. They, this is what was going to happen. They just changed plans. That's what, what That's what my sources told me. Yeah. That's what the source is of my source, of their source. Yeah. Of the source is. What's your source? Some fucking idiot. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, that's the whole point. It's like, go on there and be a fan. Because seriously, how many times have we, have we been outside of a movie talking? We just try being respectful for people walking in right. and not spoiling anything. The same thing should be for wrestling. But like I say, it's this weird narrative that's been created like, oh, if you have this insider information, you're you're you know, you're a smart fan or, you know, like some kind of stupid shit like that. It's like 
what happened to just being surprised and just enjoying the ride? But no, because it's now turned into a business where people are getting, you know, not the right information. And it's causing the problems that you're seeing that are stemming into that locker room. It all comes full circle. So let's end on some fun bit of news. We have one more piece of news that we want to talk about, and I think this is the funnest of all. And so I think we're going to have a little fun with it, all right? So we found out this week that a super hot, amazing talent, game-changing talent, if you will, is now a free agent in the world of professional wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, this just past week, Bill Goldberg is now a free agent in professional wrestling in the year 2023. And what I fear, and I want to turn it over to you guys, but what I fear is there literally was a statement allegedly made by Tony Khan where he said interesting when it brought up to him in an interview. Mm -hmm. I just want to throw that out there. I do believe it was on Busted Open. I could be wrong, but he said interesting. And (laughs) speculate all you guys want because I'll give the floor first to Padawan Jay. Goldberg's a free agent. What are you thinking? He's going to end up in AEW. Listen, (laughs) for as much as as Tony, Tony Khan is a grown child that is living out his fantasies of having his action figures from, you know, the WWF and WCW days and having, you know, the Stone Colds go up against the Hollywood Hogan's and, and what have you, you know, so he's just living out his fantasy in real life. There's no way he's going to be able to resist bringing in Goldberg. There's, there's just no way there's no earthly way. He's going to have a thousand and one people telling him, no, don't do it. It's not a good idea. He's, however old he is you know north of 50 whatever. 50 he's in his 50s he's in his yeah. he's in his 50s but there, there's no earthly way or, or, or earthly reason he should he's going to because ultimately there's no one at the end of the day that can stop him ken i can't wait till we get the press release with the picture saying he's all elite and then he's going to start the streak over again on dark and elevation till finally building for a match <sighs> at the mercedes-benz arena where he's going to be taking on chris jericho to get the belt with with, with uh, Bret Hart as a special guest referee. No, no, no. He's got he's got to be oh, yeah, Bret Hart's done. You no, know, but he'll, but he'll be wrestling uh, Sammy Guevara before it because you know it's gonna be like Scott Hall. He had to wrestle Scott Hall to get to Hulk Hogan at the end of the day. We're gonna see that happen against the JAS. I have I have a bigger fear than all that. I that I'm I'm not saying that I want to see that, but I'm all right with that for some reason. Oh God, more than I'm more than I'm all right with what's gonna happen. What's gonna happen if they sign Goldberg? I promise you this, MJF will be kind of promo. Han comes Goldberg's get, uh, the the ripoff version of Goldberg's music. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, use Goldberg's music. He comes into the ring and he just says, "You're next," and that's it. Yeah, and then we'll have a match with MJF and Goldberg, and then uh, I, I okay so. Let's hear the stooging off. Mind you, these are all allegedly's. Right. So I'm going to stooge it off. Right. And allegedly, we'll allegedly. And then what's going to happen is that. In between there, Jericho's going to tell Tony Khan, hey, we had this whole plan in WCW you never wanted to do, and they didn't let me do it in WWE, so why don't you give me Goldberg? But after he wins the belt, so Goldberg will squash MJF and then go on to have a program where Chris Jericho, where Chris Jericho, much like Hulk Hogan did with Ultimate Warrior in WCW, gets his win from <laughs> Bill Goldberg in the year 2024. Oh, Christ. Because, <laughs> mind you, we're getting into 2023, so it probably won't happen until yeah. next year. Yeah. And, uh Yeah. And we all, as wrestling fans, go, this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. The only the only saving grace is he's going to main event a card that's like 15 matches long, and his match is going to be like less than three minutes. Listen, man, 
Nothing against Bill Goldberg personally. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to hear somebody that has an axe to grind, listen to Bret Hart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and rightfully so. Yeah, rightfully so. I'm not going to disagree yeah. with his rights yeah. to do it. Uh, but I just think that in 2023, if to, once again, the pad did this earlier, I'm going to do it now. TK, listen to people. It's 2023. There's no match you can make with Goldberg that makes any fucking sense. He wasn't a draw for WWE when they brought him back, but you know what? It works there because at least they could send him to the Saudi shows where they paid extra for him. That was literally the only times he was showing up. Right. Because they paid extra for him. And then maybe a WrestleMania moment. We did get that with Brock. Right. Right. You know, so uh, very sporadic. But what are you going to do? Goldberg versus Sting? Like, no. Oh, God. We already saw that. We saw Jericho versus Goldberg. So two men in their 50s? No. And listen. Is is as good as Jericho can be at times in the ring. Still, it's the, Goldberg. That's not that one. Yeah, and Go- Jericho. Why would you want that? You know Bret Hart. <laughs> you know what could happen. Yeah. I mean, th- like this is just a bad idea all the way around. And what are you going to recreate? Like you said, what are you going to recreate the fucking streak? That's the only thing but I can see you, happening. But you, I don't think you can do that because I don't think he's going to wrestle that many matches. But I do see him doing what I oh, said. We could line it up on a dark and just wrestle five in a night there. Yeah, but I don't think he's going to do that. I, honestly, I think you bring sex. him in, and we know how Tony works. He comes mm-hmm. in, you're next, and then we get a fucking Goldberg as AEW champion with, it's a big deal, folks. No, it's not. No, it's, it's 2023, 2024, possibly by the time it happens. It's not a big deal. No, it's, it's just not. I'm it's sorry. Not. Like you know, All kidding aside, it's, just, it's not a big deal at this stage of the game. I'm, I'm sorry. Like Goldberg had a great career. Like, listen, take, take nothing away from that. I thought it was great when he came back the first time because, like I said, only yeah, started, you, I only started you never watching. Got a chance to see him. I yeah. never got a chance to see him. I'd heard about him. I'd heard. I've, I'd seen some clips, but I never got to. So for me to get to see him was was fun. It's it wore out its welcome very quickly. Very good. I I, I agree. But here, even for me as a season fan, it's kind of fun. See him come back to do a program. Oh, I sure. didn't mind it. You know, he wanted to wrestle in front of his kid. I believed I took that shit on the surface, but then he sure. kept coming back. Yeah, <laughs> and that's where it became yeah. a problem. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Tony, listen, and I know you know this. And I hope more fans, and if you if you think we're hating on something, yeah, we're making some jokes here. But in all seriousness, TK, you need to start worrying about contracts that are coming up. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Facts. Because we maybe it's already a done deal with FTR. They're not talking about it yet. We won't know until later on. Either way. Mm-hmm. But then we know Hangman Page's contract's coming up. Yep. And I, I'm still under the firm belief he's as good as gone. Same here. Yeah. Kenny Omega. Yeah. is already, like, for the first time in his entire wrestling career, started questioning things out loud about possibly going to the E yeah. in a positive light. Yeah, There's no coincidence that you then slapped on extra time to his contract. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a where there's smoke, there's fire. He could possibly be out, especially if, if the rumors are true that Kota Ibushi might be going down to be some kind of player coach in NXT. Yeah. Of course, remember, in October... October 16th, just a few days before Diesel's 40th birthday, Kenny Omega turns 40. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I We were born in the same year, 1983. And I'm not saying anything against it, but think about it. You start to think about your career winding down. Yep. Remember, AJ Styles was also right around 40 when he came to WWE. Yep. So, hey, I've had all this great time on the Indies, Japan. I've built this great legacy. Now I need to cement that legacy, go to WWE, do a few years, go to the Hall of Fame, call it a career. That is really the trajectory of a lot of guys. If you don't believe me, 
AJ Styles has done it. Kevin Owens, well, Kevin Owens is a little younger, but Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn have done it, you know, and then re-upped. Mm-hmm. AJ Styles re-upped. Let's yeah. say there, there's not all, as many horror stories as there used to be with guys coming over to WWE from other federations. Like you said, look at AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, or even the way Cody Rhodes has been Exactly. Booked. I think that's the big one. Yeah, You Co- saw how Cody how Rhodes Cody. is booked and, and, and the, went, oh shit, they're going to book me good. And I know the internet is, is going DEFCON 1, DEFCON 5, whatever it is. You know, well, oh, 1 is technically the most... I, I know no. everybody gets it confused. DEFCON 5 is actually the least. Mm-hmm. DEFCON 1 is the most. You know, ev- so you were right. Everyone's going DEFCON 1. Oh, Vince is back, Vince is back, Vince is back. Listen, no. You know, we'd know it, and it'd be very fucking obvious. But you look at the way things have been booked. Now, it's not as intimidating. It's not as, yeah, I don't want to go there. It's going to be creatively stifling. Well, his exact words when he was asked was literally, well, with Triple H booking over there, things are interesting. Yeah. yeah. So Kenny Omega knows that. And here's the thing. For all those Vince conspiracy nuts, they keep coming up. His fingerprints were all over the show. Fucking where, man? Yeah. You guys can keep looking for shit. He ain't there. He ain't there, brah. You know what he did? He paid $17.4 million back to WWE for funds that he took. Mm-hmm. So he went and go to jail. That's what he did. He's selling a company. Cool. He's not that means what, we get rid of him. And by the way, those people who think they're selling the Saudis ain't happening. I can tell you right now exactly the company I think they're selling to is still Endeavor. Yeah. yeah. Because the Endeavor guys got real quiet. But when asked about other competing places, they were like, well, we'll get more serious. Mm-hmm. When asked. If somebody was, they, they said, hey, we're confident of whatever, you know, if they want to sell to us, they will. And then they were like, well, what if somebody else steps in? Don't worry. Yeah. So they are interested. And they're interested for whatever price. So take it for what you will. The Endeavor dudes are doing pretty good shit over there at the UFC. So, because they'll leave all management in place. Yeah, they're not going to do a thing other they're than just money. be absentee. They're making money. That's what they do. Mm. And hell, Vince tipped his hand that he was willing to sell it for way cheaper than he should. Yeah. So fuck. I'm surprised Endeavor, but I don't think you're going to see a sale till after Mania. No. Nick Khan even said that. Yeah, Nick no, Khan was like, yeah. we're not going to. He's like, it'll, he'll, it'll, he, Nick Khan's exact words, it'll be quick when it happens, but it won't be until after Mania. Oh, they yeah. want to get through the big show first. Yeah, yeah, of course, because why would you take the spotlight away from your biggest event? Well, also, they need to do it in time. And the reason why it's going to be quick is because around July, August, they have to get the contracts in place. Yeah. Right. So whoever buys it, the biggest part of buying it is those contracts. So you have to make it quick so they can get the contracts in place. Now, mind you, they wouldn't be off TV because the contracts don't expire till next year in 2024. Right. But you have to make the new deals earlier than obviously they expire. Yeah, so I do right. believe both are September of 2024. Something like Correct. that. So yeah. they can start negotiating this summer. And that's why you start negotiating because then you have a buffer window and can get the deal that you want because you want people to fight over it. Yeah. yeah. And they're already suitors. So eh, it is what it is. But yeah, get, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> the Mania card when it looks so stacked. Oh, Miss versus Brock Lesnar. Bruce Vince is back. No, it doesn't. I was hearing this nonsense. There, people are thinking Vince is going to walk out of Mania. I hope he does. Just a just a fucking. I, I I was hoping he was going to the Hall of Fame just to fuck with people. <laughs> oh shit, dude. I, I like I'm at this new level. Like I like he's a disgusting human being. We've talked about it. I yeah. don't fucking you know whatever. Yeah. yeah. But you know I give him his flowers. Whatever. Whatever. I just was like, dude. I just hope they fuck with everybody. Like, there was part of me he's like, I hope they fuck with everybody. I'm Why back. Not? Dude, have him come out. Of, dude, hire him as an on-air personality. I don't know. Just to be fucking, just to fuck with people. Have, on, have, him, have him as a backstage interviewer with that mustache he allegedly had. I know. It's like, come on, man. Like, oh, he couldn't have just been there to visit John Cena. Or he could have been. Yeah. Dun, dun, <laughs> that, was my, that was my favorite part. Or... That's what happened. Yeah. Like, you know, or what if this most simple answer is the one right in front of was you? Was that Occam's razor, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's the simplest answer is usually the simplest answer is usually the answer. That's what it is. 
It really is, folks. Because you would know he can't help himself. Yeah. Listen, Vince's ego is such. If he was back, he'd fucking know. Yeah. It wouldn't be like, oh, I saw his fingerprints allegedly. Yeah. It no, be no, no, no. There'd be a, there'd be a fucking painting, bro. He come flying in like Shawn Michaels at Mania <laughs> on the zip line, <laughs> dancing above the building, yep. throwing away money. Stand back. <laughs> <laughs> brings Hogan out to play the guitar. Hell yeah. Like every unlikable person comes back to WWE just for that one moment. Just put him on stage. Shit, pull an XPW, bring G-Raver back. <laughs> oh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> By the way, if you're watching XPW and listening to this show, please don't. <laughs> stop. <laughs> just stop. Either stop, listening, either stop listening to this show or stop watching XPW because I don't fuck with those people. Yeah. Like, when you thought that they couldn't get any worse. And that's not, By the way. Think about it. On a show where they had a dude get fucking stabbed in his dick and balls by a fucking hypodermic needle. I don't know if you heard about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That wasn't even the worst thing that happened that night. They brought back a fucking sexual assaultist. Like, what the fuck is going on in pro wrestling sometimes? Fuck my life, man. Real carny shit. That's why we don't talk about it. We only talk about... I'm going to say this in in the tone of Padawan J. Fuck XPW. That's what it is. But uh, let's get to the end here, folks, because it's been a long one. We've given you the bonus. I think we've given you way more. Yeah. And next week, we got another big show for your ass. Only there won't be a new segment next week, I promise you, because the review will be much longer. And on top of that, I don't think there's going to be any news outside of Mania. Let's be honest. Mm. It's usually a slow news week because all that will get launched into what we talk about for Mania and the night after Raw. So. Ken M, one more time, tell the fine folks how to find the ODPH. Actually, since Pad's in the building, Pad, where do they go? ODPHpodcast.com. Simple, easy peasy. 3FNpodcast.com as well. Figure out which one you want to go to. By the way, we would like to thank Padawan J for joining us here at 607 TWS. I know it's also ODPH, but we would like to thank him for joining technically his first time on 607 TWS. This was fun. And uh, we'll have him back next week. Yeah, Pad's back next week. But hopefully we'll have him on more in the future. With that, though. Before we go anywhere, I got to get it. Because technically, this is the ODPH Sports Edition as well. So, Padawan J, take the people out. Fuck the Astros. That's right. For myself, Padawan J, and Ken M, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you enjoy WrestleMania week and all the great wrestling action coming at you. We'll be back next week with another two gigantic shows, one of which we will be reviewing all of the Ultimate Indie Roundup, and the other one we'll be uh, talking all things WrestleMania 39 with a review. Until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, wrestling Cause they can't bring me